This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov slash MCTV. The following presentation of the Midland City Council will begin in a moment. The Midland City Council is the city's legislative body that sets policies, approves budgets, determines tax rates, and adopts ordinances and resolutions to govern the city. It is made up of five elected officials that represent the wards in which they reside, and councilmen are elected to two-year terms. The mayor is elected from among the council members by vote of the city council. City Council meetings are held at 7 p.m. two Mondays per month in Council Chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on AT&T or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. Good evening and welcome to our November 21st, 2022 meeting of City Council. Please stand and join us for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, Lacey, will you please call roll? Honorable Mayor Donker. Here. Councilman Soler. Here. Councilman Waspinski. Here. Councilman Arnaski. Here. Councilman Brown Wilhelm. Okay, thank you. Does anyone in council have a conflict of interest with anything on this evening's agenda? No, Mayor. Okay, seeing none, then we'll move on to the consent agenda. All resolutions marked with an asterisk are considered to be routine and will be enacted by one motion. There'll be no separate consideration of these items unless a citizen or council member so requests during the discussion stage of the motion to adopt the consent agenda as indicated. If there is even a single request, the item will be removed from the consent agenda without further motion and considered in its listed sequence in regular fashion. We have a motion to approve the consent agenda. So move. Second. Have first and second. Would anyone from council like an item removed from the consent agenda? See none. Anyone from the audience? Right, seeing none, all in favor then please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that passes 4-0. Okay, that takes us down to item number two, which is a presentation regarding flood reduction. And Mr. Driscoll is here to tell us about that. Good evening, Madam Mayor, me members of City Council. It's good to see everyone. It's been a few. Hopefully you didn't miss me too much. If you didn't, I totally understand. Um, so unfortunately, I'll, I'll only be up here for a short time. I'm going to hand this, the keys off to Tony Thomas, uh, J.W. Fisher, and Bill Schutte are also here <clears throat> to present on, on uh, the 2022 flood reduction report. Um, a, a few comments I wanted to make. Uh, if you recall, um, going back to last fall, the Army Corps of Engineers um, started a H&H &H study, which is a hydraulic and hydrology study. Um, that commenced last fall through the, and it was sponsored by Midland County. Um, in addition to that, the MBA Advisory Committee on Infrastructure uh, has enlisted the services of Spicer Group as a technical advisor. Um, that's kind of some of the, the content you're going to hear tonight 
regarding a, a proposed project. Um, and while in, in Midland it's amazing that we have you know, resources, we have organizations, individuals, and groups that want to commit resources, um, their time and energy into um, helping the city with our flood resiliency, I wanted to make sure that, that city council understands that we're, it's very early in the process. We basically, uh, it's, it's kind of in its conceptual um, phase, and there hasn't been a lot of dialogue between city staff and um, the MBA and Spicer Group on what you hear tonight. So um, assuming we get city council support for this resolution, um, we will engage in those conversations um, with those groups as we move forward. Um, the resolution you have in front of you tonight uh, is, does require a three-fifths vote uh, to, to be approved. Um, and basically, the resolution offers support of the concept and principle um, for the proposed project. So um, with that, I will turn it over to these fine gentlemen. Thank you. All right. Oh. <laughs> But we will be brief. Uh, good evening. I'm Tony Stamos, President CEO of the Midland Business Alliance, and really appreciate the opportunity to be with you tonight. Um, first, I just want to say uh, thank you. Um, this has been a continued partnership and partnership on many fronts uh, with the City Council and the entire City of Midland, and we appreciate that. You know, I, I think as we've looked at this in terms of <clears throat> the Midland Business Alliance uh, infrastructure team, which is a wonderful group of volunteers from around the community and represented by the city and the county, um, you know, we've recognized there's no one magic key, but we think there are a number of tools and uh, initiatives we can look at to really build resiliency. And I think as a community, that's really critically important as we go forward. And so this plan represents one of those. There are some that you know, we will be working on uh, for, for many years, maybe decades. There are other pieces that we hope to be able to engage and move forward on and really make a difference when we know in the future when we will have um, water and we will see issues that we've seen in the past. Um, I know I've probably said this here, but I often note um, you know, if you go to the State uh, Museum in Lansing, there's a wonderful topographical map of the state of Michigan on the wall. And if you look to the north and the west, you see the elevation and you see all those rivers flow and you recognize this is the Saginaw Valley and the impact that we've seen over the decades. And so this, this concept by Spicer really is, I, I think, uh, an exciting opportunity and uh, uh, appreciate Jared's introduction. As he said, we've got a lot of details to work through, but I think the concept is a sound one and I think it really could make a difference in terms of our community, our citizens, our businesses, uh, to continue to move Midland forward in the way that we've seen in the past. So with that, I'll turn over to my friend, Bill Schutte. Thank you. Um, really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, Bill, we need to be on the blue mat. That's the magic spot right there. So everyone then at home well, can hear you this also. This is a great feeling. I can, okay. I can <laughs> um, so thank you very much, uh, Madam Mayor, for uh, letting us come by. And uh, Brad Kay, uh, appreciate your help and your uh, assistance on a number of different projects. Marty, good to be with you. Steve, thank you. And uh, Tim, uh, welcome aboard. Um, we're delighted to be here, uh, Tony, JW, and I, and I'll just take a, a moment uh, with respect to the history of us coming before the City Council. This isn't the first time. We've tried to keep you informed all throughout, and without a doubt, since the flood of 2020, uh, Tony Stamos and the Midland Business Alliance has been one, one of the leading forces of helping rebuild our community after the devastating floods of 2020. In Sanford, uh, Tony and the team were part of uh, rebuilding the hardware store, uh, the Red Oak, uh, Stryker Marina, two homes in the Sanford area and one in the, in the Gladwin area. Um, 
And then during the past year or so, we've been working with our federal legislators, Democrats and Republicans, Senator Stabenow, Peters, Molinar, I look forward to working with Congressman Kildee and uh, uh, other members of Congress to help our community with various grants from the Center for the Arts, the city and the county, it's about $5 million. And we're in, uh, uh, in line for the fiscal 23 for something in the $10 million range. And so we're working on that. But it brings us to uh, the, our flood reduction plan. And this is an effort not to uh, pretend we're gonna eliminate flooding, but rather uh, to reduce the severity and frequency of flooding in this, uh, uh, here in Midland. And why are we doing this? Well, it's pretty simple. If we don't uh, uh, reduce the severity and frequency of flooding, we'll have a town that gets washed out. And uh, years and years from now, will be a sleepy backwater. That's not how Midland does things. We're a community of excellence in a lot of different ways. And so this is an effort to uh, reduce flooding. It's a $117 million effort. Part of that $117 million is a $10 million regional opportunity for other communities who might want to use this Midland plan as a concept and see how it might be able to be modified, whether that's in Saginaw or Gladwin or Mount Pleasant, uh, Isabella County, Gratiot, you name it. Um, because what we've done through uh, JW and others, uh, some of uh, the foundation community and the business community have put forward private funds that helped us uh, put our cost share together for the uh, Army Corps of Engineer hydrology and hydraulic study. And so this uh, regional flood planning mo money, part of this $117 million project, could help other communities if they wanted to see what they might want to do in terms of flooding. So um, we're very uh, determined about this. Um, let me just share with you some of the groups that will have supported this. Chippewa Nature Center, Little Forks, the Nature Conservancy, the Midland Area Community Foundation, My Michigan Health, the Herbert H. and Grace A. Dow Foundation, the Rollin M. Gerstacker Foundation, Kepler Foundation, Strosacker Foundation, uh, HSC, uh, Three Rivers Corporation, um, Fabiano Brothers, Northwood, uh, uh, DuPont, and Corteva and Dow, um, they are highly uh, encouraged and supportive of this, and their letter is on the way. So I don't, I'm not, I don't wanna speak more than I should, but uh, we've been working with all these uh, fine companies and organizations for uh, some time. And this is an opportunity to solve a problem that has eluded this community since the first flood in 1986. And it happened again in 17, it happened again in 2020. And so this is an opportunity for us to uh, you know, help solve this problem. And we welcome refinements, comments. We'll have you know, town meetings and gatherings so we collect lots of input, but we wanna make sure when the uh, lame duck session of the legislature occurs sometime after Thanksgiving, if it does, um, when people say they don't wanna have a lame duck, sometimes I think they're saying they wanna have a lame duck. But in any event, we wanna be prepared in one fashion or another, and uh, Tony's been helping lead that effort as well. So thank you very much, and I'll turn it over to the, the engineer of this crowd, and his name's J.W. Fisher. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I always hate following him. He's a hard <laughs> act to follow. Right? So uh, just kind of as a refresher, uh, our infrastructure group started in February of 21. 21. Uh, we've been working pretty hard. 
Uh, and one of the first things we did, we, we raised just short of a million dollars of private funds to help help finance our, our efforts. Uh, we co-sponsored with Midland County, a Corps of Engineers hydrology and hydraulic study. Jared mentioned that. Uh, so we used about half of the $877,000 we raised goes to our 50% cost share of the core study. That'll be complete in fall of 2024. Um, and really, e even the plan that we're gonna present to you tonight, the concept that we present to you tonight, uh, will require that information from the core study to, to put a final design on. Uh, we are working uh, with Senator Stabenow and Congressman Molinar uh, to authorize the next start study so the core can, when they finish their hydrology and hydraulic study, can start looking for solutions. That has to be authorized at the federal level in the Water Resources Development Act. And uh, as we speak, it's in the markup on the House side and the markup on the Senate side. Uh, so it's very likely that will get passed and the Corps will have the authorization to go ahead with, with searching for solutions. Uh, in the meantime, we hired Spicer Engineering uh, one is just a plain technical advisor, and two, to look at is there anything in the interim that we can get a head start on, either to present the core uh, with the concept for a plan or that we can pull ahead and do before they start their next start study. And that plan is what we're presenting tonight. Uh, it's a levy and pump station plan and if you think about Main Street as you leave town here and drive west, uh, Main Street doesn't flood even in 2020 until you got to Post Street and you dip down uh, at the intersection of Orchard. Uh, you can see it up on the screen there. I, d I don't know if you look at the bottom right-hand corner, that would be the east side of Main Street. Um, essentially, almost every house that floods in the city limits floods when the river rises and backs up the Snake Creek and backs up the Sturgeon Creek. Um, and when it backs up the Snake Creek, it floods the Center for the Arts and the library, uh, some of the homes along Sugnut. When it backs up the Sturgeon Creek, it backs up a long way. It floods the homes on Valley Drive, it floods the homes uh, around the hospital, all those homes on Main Street, the condos on Main Street. Floods all the way north of Saginaw Road, floods those homes along Inman Drain, Councilman Arnowski that we looked at. Sometimes it's the second time they get flooded from the same rainstorm. Uh, so Spicer looked at the 50-year floodplain and just counted structures and 600 homes and 50 businesses flood uh, when the river backs up those two streams. So the idea is simply to raise Main Street at Snake Creek uh, for about 400 feet where the Snake Creek crosses Main Street, put in a floodgate, put in a pump station. Uh, you do the same thing down where the Sturgeon Creek crosses. You raise Main Street about 800 feet uh, to, to keep the river from crossing it. You'll have to put in a floodgate and a pump station. And the idea would be that as the river rises to the to the level of the lowest structure you're trying to protect, you shut the floodgates, keep the river from backing up those creeks, turn on the pump stations because you, you've got to pump the creek over or the, all the homes are flooded because the creek water will back up. 
and you, you'll protect those 600 homes and 50 businesses. The other part is, as, as you get just west of Sturgeon Creek, we'll run, the plan would be to run a sheet pile wall from Main Street to the Pure Marquette Rail Trail and run that sheet pile wall down all the way to Rhine uh, Lane, which is just the other side of the Bradley House. And then from there, the ground's high enough the river can't get across. So we're setting a service level for this at just under the 100-year flood. Uh, so you're getting a protection, a level of service protection would, would protect all those homes from the second worst natural flood on record, the 2017 flood. But the 1986 flood, uh, those homes wouldn't be protected. They'd go over to our flood wall and they would flood. And the reason we're setting that level of service at that level is uh, for, for many reasons. Uh, we're keeping it below the 100-year flood level and uh, to make it permittable. If you start restricting floodplain and the 100-year floodplain, then you have to compensate for that somewhere else. Uh, and that, that gets pretty expensive pretty quick, which will probably be uh, part of what the Corps of Engineers is going to look at and would require some federal funding. Um, this would protect those 600 homes, 50 businesses, from the second worst flood we've ever had, on record anyway, since people started writing it down. Uh, it's a pretty simple concept. It's not new. It's not rocket science. It's done all over the world. Um, a good example I always throw out there, if you've ever been to San Antonio and gone to their boardwalk, the boardwalk is really just a big flood control project. If you go to the end of that, there's a big floodgate and pump stations. And if you drive around San Antonio, the outskirts, there are little flood control structures and pump stations all over that simply connect the high ground like we're doing here. And, keep the water out from the rising river, uh, but they have to pump the water that's inside the dike out or people will flood from local water. Um, this, the estimate on this is a $107 million to construct, uh, and that is largely because the pump stations are gonna be very expensive. Uh, these are probably, will be built for this project. Uh, it's probably about a year's lead time to get them built. And, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a pretty simple concept. And like I say, it, it, it occupies very little space. Um, the uh, sheet pile wall will be three to four feet high. So it's, it's not gonna be a massive, um, the construction project itself will not be, be that massive. So um, we think it's very doable. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, we've had a pre-application meeting with Eagle uh, they were pretty receptive to it. The uh, question will be, and we'll have to have the core data for two reasons. One, to set the final height of the flood wall, and then two, to do the uh, floodplain studies to make sure that we're not rising, uh, raising the flood level on people downstream. Um, and if we are, then we'll have to tweak or, or find some compensation to make it permittable. But Eagle was very receptive. Uh, they had their assistant director was on the call. Uh, Brian Rudolph, uh, the wetlands um, head, was on the call. Um, 
and they had their two floodplain people on the call. So uh, they had, they took it very seriously. Uh, and this is a process. Um, but it, it appears like this should be a doable project. We're kind of going down the permitting path and the funding path, kind of working all the avenues at once so that um, that we could get this built as soon as possible if everything comes together. So, happy to an answer any questions. I, I, did, uh, I did fail to mention that the Midland County Board of Commissioners came out with a, a strong uh, letter of approval and support uh, for this effort. And that's what we're hoping that you would consider in a thoughtful fashion uh, so that when we go to Lansing and make our case and advocate for our community, that we'd have uh, a full chart, so to speak, of businesses, organizations, and obviously the uh, city and county government's important to that. Is that a look for questions? Okay. <laughs> okay. Does anyone have any questions? I might have some. Okay, anybody else want to go first? Go for it. All right. First of all, uh, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of attention placed on upstream on the dams of the Four Lakes and kind of protecting and, and, and uh, enhancing the property owners that are around the lakes, but there really hasn't been anything done for those of us who live downstream. And of course, we were flooded in 2020, but we've been flooded multiple times beforehand. And so it's, it's, it's good to see this effort to come and protect the folks who live in, at least in the city of Midland, which is what you know, we're concerned about. So thank you. We all do here. Yeah, this. well, thank you. Thank you for that. Because there really hasn't been any significant efforts to reduce flooding in the, in the city up till, up till you guys coming forward. So thank you for that. Um, a lot of, you know, I know this, it seems like this is a conceptual drawing. So I start to immediately get into wanting to ask more detailed questions. But let me start high with, you have engaged the Spicer Group. And JW, you mentioned talking about uh, San Antonio and the system they have there. And, and kind of what you're describing here sounds a lot like what you'd have in Texas or Louisiana as well. Um, does that mean that if this goes forward, Spicer would be the ones who would be overseeing the engineering and the, and the construction of this? Because, I mean, I, in my mind, I'd want somebody who's got some of that experience from down in Texas and Louisiana. So we don't know the answer to that. We haven't gotten that far. Uh, but they, Spicer has done a lot of this kind of work right here in Michigan. Uh, we're doing several jobs for them right now on a smaller scale. Um, probably a, a good example of a project on a small scale that's been done here in town that everybody recognizes is you drive south of town on Poseville Road and you approach uh, Venture Drive. There, there, the Poseville Road goes up, goes down, there's a structure. Uh, on the left side of the road as you're, as you're driving south. That, that is... That's a dike. That's a dike. That's a levee, and there's a pump station. And the river comes up, and that dike keeps, keeps the river from flooding out Venture Drive and Ted's uh, lawn, lawnmower shop there and some of those lower homes. And the pump station takes the water that's already there and, and pumps it over. And that, that served that area quite well until the dams broke. Um, City of Ecourse has done some work. It, it, it's, it, it's not, the really big, big stuff is in Texas and Louisiana because they have the Gulf Coast and, yeah. and, and you know, 24 inches of rain and, and 24 hours things. But it, it is a, a system that's used 
all over the country, including in Michigan. Yeah, I'm just, I just don't know the history. I don't know the experience of Spicer. Yeah. And when I, I mean, this is a big deal, right? Because if it doesn't work, it could, it could backfire and make things worse, it could. It could. which is, um, you know, one of the things, for example, I, I picked up on, and again, I, I don't mean to, it's a temptation of mine to nitpick a little bit, but you talk about the pump capacity and the pump capacity having a, you know, to manage 10 to 25 year flows. But it seems to me we'd want those pumps to be able to handle the 100 year flows because that's really when we need them. Because if, if you've got a 75 year flood for a 75 year event and those pumps aren't keeping up, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna result in, because water's coming down, the sturgeon and, and snake and of course the Inman drain we talked about. You want to make sure this thing doesn't make it worse by having the flood gates, gates closed and the pumps not keeping up with, com with what's coming right. downstream. Right. Uh, th that so that would be part of what the core tells us. So they, okay. they pick that number. They, they you generally design to what your stormwater system can get to your exit point. Mm -hmm. And that's usually a, a 10 to 25 year storm event. And then you get a bigger event than that, water piles up all around the city. Uh, and it just takes longer to get there. But, um, yeah, I mean, the other part of it is, you know, we've talked about it here, is what is the impact of a, you know, a five inch rainfall on the water levels, the river levels, you know, if depending on when that data was collected, we've developed a lot of the area, we've paved over it. So you've got faster runoff. So a five inch rain might actually result in a higher river level in the short term. And so my, before we go about designing it, my point would be, let's make sure we get current data in terms of the impact of different rainfall levels on the river levels, because it's really those river and creek levels that that make a difference. So, Correct. Yep. Yeah. Um, and there's there's one question that I think is, is more of an aesthetic question, but it's when you talk about a sheet pile wall, and I in my mind, I, I think about what they've done up at Sanford at the dam there, right? They drove those big, mm -hmm. sheet, what I would call sheet metal pilings down and to help reinforce. Um, not the most aesthetically pleasing uh, site, so the question is, is that what they would be doing, or is that what you, when you say sheet pile, is that what would be put in place? And where would it fall relative to Main Street, the rail trail, and the river? Where? So it, it would probably be on the north side of the rail trail. So between the, between the rail trail and, and Main, Street. Main Street, okay. And it would probably be a, and again, I'm, I'm speculating now because no actual design's been yes. done, but it'd probably be a flat sheet because it really only has to hold back uh, three or four feet of water. So that, it doesn't take much of a section modulus to do that. And it would have a nice cap on it. You know. Okay. You're talking to the wrong guy because I think, boy, those sheets are beautiful up there. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, this is, we get into the mechanics. You get into the mechanics of it and then you get into what the people of the community will point out. Yeah. Um, I, th I, think, well, I think it'll probably be fairly attractive. I keep telling Mayor Donker it's going to be beautiful, but um, yeah, but you just clarified for me what beauty means to you, too. So. <laughs> and as I understand let me, it, let me just add to that. Yeah. Yes. I think that uh, this will be done in an um, effective way and, frankly, uh, an attractive way. I mean, that's, that's the point here. The point is um, we, we, haven't, we have an opportunity to do now what should have been done in 1986. I'm not casting any stones on... Uh, through those who were around in 1986, some of those were his relatives, my relatives, that just 
didn't occur because they thought it was a one-off, one not going to happen again. Well, we've seen it three times. So um, I think we can construct something that's effective, uh, safe, uh, reduce the frequency and severity, and um, we'll try to do it in a uh, design in a pleasant way and hope it appeals to your cultural side. <laughs> Thanks. Um, With Shudi on board, I'm sure he's going to well, I mean, it. I, I, I hope could so. Be, you could make a concrete wall. It would be more expensive. The sheet pile would be the most cost effective. But yeah. Um, let, me, let me ask something that's probably more pertinent to the city's role in this. Um, you know, obviously these pumps are going to need to be maintained and so forth. And even when you start to under, you know, undertake these projects, there's a lot of projects in town that we've had the benefit of don donations from foundations that have funded it, but then the city ends up managing it. This strikes me as something that I'm curious whether it would be expected that the city would have some engineering or oversight role to manage this project if it were to go forward and get the funding. I'd say yes. The city, the city would certainly have to have an oversight role and approve what we're doing. And then I would assume that they would own and operate these pump stations and these floodgates for eternity uh, or as long as people leave them in place. Because um, I let me let me maybe you might be surprised to hear this, but I, I I probably don't want the city to oversee this because we absolutely know nothing about building dikes and pumps and floodgates. Uh, well, this is not so, we're so we're more on streets and, and yeah, so forth. Well, uh, we'll be raising Main Street in places, yeah. and, and they're just they're uh, we we chose to run the the sheet pile wall along Pier Marquette to minimize conflict with existing utilities. Um, but this certainly the city engineering will have to have some. Yeah. We'll have to collaborate with us to make sure we do things correctly and don't unintentionally follow something up. And, and, uh, and I, I would say that the cost of the city for operating the pump stations would be far less in the long term than having to clean up after flood after flood after flood, businesses leaving, homes being vacated, not having a growing community. Um, you know, the, uh, the alternative is not the right way to go, because yeah. it goes down, not up. But, but I think the, the key for us is this is something that we don't do on a routine basis. And so, you know, you want people who know what the heck they're doing, both in the construction and the operation of these pumps. And so from a city perspective, I'm a little concerned when you don't have something that requires, you know, constant involvement in it. You know, you have expertise that kind of comes and goes over the years and you know who knows when the next flood may be if it's a hundred year right. flood it's probably 10 years from now but um, yeah so so that's that's honestly that's that's the only concern I have is you know that from a city perspective we get this great gift and it designed and it, it works at least on paper like it's supposed to and then years go by you know we want to make sure that it still works as it was originally designed right. and how do we how do we make sure that happens Absolutely. So, Marty, did you have a Go question on. then, too? No? No, I, I mean, just And there would be one, um, I don't have the proper vocabulary, one retaining wall that would take care of snake and sturgeon, right? The so we would, we would raise Main Street at Snake Creek, which would take care of Snake Creek, just that 400 feet across the intersection of Orchard. And then there's a stretch of Main Street that's high enough that will serve as, a, already serves as a levee. I see what you're saying. And then as we get to Sturgeon Creek, it, it dips again and you have to raise it for about 800 feet. 
and from the end of where we raise it there, Main Street kind of drops down as it goes west. And that's where we'd run the sheet pile wall from Main Street to the Pier Marquette, and then down the Pier Marquette into very the familiar, high ground. Very familiar. I just discovered coming up into <coughs> Snake Creek on a kayak from the Tibidawassee. And there's been people, it's, it's, there's, there are signs that look like 30-year-old uh, like signs from the Boy Scouts, because there are signs on Snake Creek saying, you know, just around the corner, you get to see this, or you get to see that. And it's, there's probably a good 10 signs from Tibidawassee River all the way all up until, say, St. Andrews. Mm -hmm. You can almost make it up to St. Andrews. If it wasn't July, I would have been able to make it to mm -hmm. St. Andrews. But uh, another thing that I noticed here, it's in your, what you said today was 600 homes, 50 businesses saved mm -hmm. from the flooding. In your thing, it says, 340 residential and 30 commercial. Where's the? So that's just for, for one. Uh, that's probably for. Uh, there's two creeks and there's there should be two numbers. One set of numbers I for see. Snake I'm Creek and one set for Sturgeon. You add them up, it comes to 600 even, and 50 even. I see. Yeah. So you. For the great majority of the time, you'll still be able to kayak up right. there, right? <laughs> right. We're running out of those floodgates when the yeah. river's really high. Um, <clears throat> is the gate a sliding gate, or, or you don't know yet? Don't know. Okay. I, I think it'll probably be a radial gate, but I, I don't know that for sure. I appreciate the fact that you guys are here tonight. I think you know. Um, I think you started out by saying something that is true. We should have started this back in the '80s. And so we have to start someplace, and nobody's going to give it to us. And at the end of the day, whatever it is, if we get money to help us get started, great. But at the end of the day, it's going to be ours to take care of if we're going to have something. And, and th there's a cost involved in that. It's n nothing, nothing is free. So, um, <clears throat> so it's one of those things that, you know, certainly we're going to have to figure out how we manage that. Um, so I think what you're asking us for is, like, Conceptually, how do we feel about this? Well, I think it's a concept that we didn't have before. I think we have a lot to learn about it. I think as a community, like anything else, we're going to have to figure it out. We're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to learn more. I mean, we, we have to get better at this because right now we're not so good. So we, we really, you know, we're going to need to learn. It's going to be ours to take care of whatever. Who, who, I mean, if we get somebody to help us build it, Hey, we're, at least it's not us building it, but we're going to have to do something. And so, you know, I, I think we have lots of questions moving forward. I think we're going to have lots more questions. I think we need to build something that we're sure is going to work. We're going to have to, you know, we're going to ask lots of questions. We're going to know what questions to ask as we get further along with this project. Right now, I think the question is, how do we feel about it in concept? I feel really good about it in concept. I think we need to, to get moving, and we need to, you know, we're going to be working with the core. We'll have more insights. Um, but I think this is a first step forward. So I, I think in concept, and what we see um, right now, I think we need to, to move forward this. And I certainly am, am in support of that. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to have questions later on, and we're going to not, no, we're going to have to figure this out. We hope you have questions. We, that's how it gets strong. I might have a few as we go forward. Yeah. I, I'm not worried about yeah. anyone here right. on council not having questions, yeah. because we really want to do this right. Yeah. We want to be thoughtful. You know, we know that, you know, 
we're not going to get the permits if it's not going to be right. And, you know, we need to really figure this out. A lot of this, you don't know what you don't know, but you, you got to get started and have a little faith in the process and figure things out as you go. And right. you may, we might run into some right. blind alleys along the way. But, um, well, and, and I think that that's the key, the key piece is that we have to say to you guys, you know, this might be a nice idea now, but it might not be a good idea three months from now because we might have more information that's going to say we need to take a different route. And so I think that that, I mean, but we had no route before. So I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to be on board with this. This is just, uh, this is a first step. Yeah. And will there be more steps mm -hmm. as we go down this journey to try to provide uh, greater flood resiliency for our town? And let me just repeat, I mean, I, I started yep, out my comments, nothing's been done so far. And so, you know, I'm thankful for the effort you guys are putting forward. Hopefully it's productive and will result in, a, in a, an improved uh, situation so we'll have less risk of flooding. And just, I think you said it up front, but just to clarify, this does not, this is just one piece of it. As the core comes in, there'll be other looking at actions that can be taken upstream of sturgeon and snake and so forth that can, you know, whether it be some sort of retention, detention areas, or downstream too. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And both north and south of the trench. But you know, I think is you know speaking for the people of Ward Three, that water, yes, the water is coming pushed back up from the Titabawassee, but it's also coming down from the north, and so, you know, there's concerns that that still exists. And as I understand, the core is looking. That's part of what the core is looking at in terms of managing that water as well. Yeah. Okay. I say go up. Okay. Where do we? <coughs> so, so, Madam Mayor, what you have in front of you um, is, is the request, essentially, for support uh, of this concept to move it forward. The recommendation that was put forward by Jared in the report is a support in principle. Mm -hmm. um, the only reason, just to be blunt, that yeah. we put in principle is exactly what we've been talking so, about, and is that there is a lot of questions to come. Um, but, but to be clear, because I, I do want to push back a little bit, yeah. Steve, there is not another authority to take this on. So right, right. Uh, we operate it. like 43 pumps in the city. We know how to run pumps and things, but this is a different animal. You're yeah. quite correct on that point. Um, but this is, by all expectations, would become infrastructure that the city would have to take on, own, and maintain and operate. So um, unless something else comes along, like the authority to establish the stormwater authority, which right now in legislation doesn't exist. They're talking about it, uh, but you'd also have to figure out how to fund that. So those are potentials, but whether they're likely or not, I don't know. So back to your question, though. Your question was, what do we do uh, this evening in front of you? have a, a recommendation of support in principle to continue down the path. And if you disagree entirely with the concept, uh, then you would reject that resolution. If you are open to continuing the work, uh, then you would pass the resolution this evening. Okay. I think we're ready to move forward. This, is, this isn't a resolution. Really? Is well, it's it, a, I resolution. Mean, it is a resolution. I know, but do I have to have public comment on this? Um, you usually would take that, yes. Okay, just so. see, it's, under, it's not under. It's not a public hearing. hearing. No. Okay. So thank you very much. Is there any public comment on this? Well, yeah, this is what I've been talking about. John Elson, 6106 Sturgeon Creek Parkway. This is what I've been talking about for the last, since I've been going to all these council meetings. I am really appreciative of the Midland Business Alliance taking on this. I mean, this is a concept. This is a part of a plan. And, um, and, I, and I'm, 
I agree with Steve. I mean, this is something we should have been doing many years ago, and we're not making it any better by the, our practices we're still doing today, developing north and west of town without any new ordinances, without any retention whatsoever. So we, we've made this problem not just uh, from 1986, thinking about that, we've made it worse over the years. And so it's a good thing we're focusing on that now. And when we get new ordinances in place where we actually can retain water and build smarter north and west of town, we'll be a lot better off. But this will be focused, this is a good focus for all of us that we, we need to do something. Now I'm, I, I agree with that. I mean, this, I mean, I don't know what size pumps we're gonna have. I have been down the San Antonio River Walk many times because I lived in Corpus, so it was a nice walk and I really liked it, so. Um, but, I, I, but I know being down on the Gulf Coast that this is an issue. It's been an issue uh, in New Orleans in particular, Houston in particular. I mean, all the way down there, so it just, it's flat. Just like Midland is flat. Midland is basically an alluvial deposit from a, a lake that there is, that's more like on the, in the Gulf of Mexico. So I'm, I'm really happy about that, but I do think we need to think of one other thing. Is something that Houston does and a lot of other places, they retain water. They have designated spots where they retain water. Can we do that in Midland? Maybe not for the entirety of the Titabawassee River, but we can do a lot for the Snake River. We can do a lot for Sturgeon Creek by like taking Cook School, that's about 20 acres, something like that. If we took one, one uh, acre foot of water, that's about seven million gallons. If you take two, two of those, that's 14 million gallons of water that you, you can hold. But that's just the Cook School I'm talking about. But there's other parks and other old places in town that the city can own or does own that they can actually start now retaining water, which is gonna, if it can save, if it's the 600 houses, it can save 200 houses. That's two, that's 30%, 33% better than what we're doing now, yeah? And we have all the land that's north and west of town that we continue to build on. Like I've mentioned before, Sturgeon Road, they're building those uh, 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 condominiums on Sturgeon Road where they brought in hundreds of loads of sand and the only thing they're gonna retain is a four inch rainfall only on that parking lot, but the Sturgeon Creek, when it flooded, would have flooded that whole acre, that 20 acres of development back there and held that water. So we've gotta be smarter about that. And how can we be smarter? We can, we can have better ordinances on, on building codes. And, and like I said, I really appreciate what these guys are doing because this is really important. This is a method that's been used for ages and ages, dikes and levees. Um, and they didn't have pumps maybe back in the old days like we would have today, but yeah, pumps are important too. And I think that, that that's gonna be an interesting one, how we're gonna have pumps. You know, what kind of pumps are gonna be? Are we gonna have to have power stations with pumps, you know, that run independently from the grid? Because, you know, a lot of times during these kind of events, we don't have any power. So you're gonna have to have something to run them. So anyways, I appreciate it all. I wanna just say that, thanks a lot guys. Okay. Any other public comment? Okay, thank you. Lacey, will you please read the resolution? This resolution offers city council support in principle of the concepts outlined in the Midland 2022 Flood Reduction Project Report submitted to the Midland Business Alliance Advisory Committee on Infrastructure by Spicer Group. Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So moved. 
We have a second? second. Okay, first and second. Discussion. I think we pretty much all <laughs> talked about it, everything. I agree with both your guys' comments. Um, I mean, it's in principle. That's the great thing that that phrase is in there because we know there's going to be a lot of questions going forward on this and everything, and we're going to have to get those rectified. So, but this gets the process moving, which is great. Yeah, I think, I, like I said, I support it. I think it's it's uh, you know, Bill Schuette talked about should have done this back in 1986. I agree. Um, and but the, the the technical expertise maintaining it in, in the city is going to be more than just about cost because it's something that is not going to be I don't know how you it's a sort of a, I think it's more a skill that is from people who live in Texas and Louisiana that will have to figure out how to because when we need it we need it mm -hmm. so that'll be a challenge for us certainly not a reason to stop going forward I'm definitely in support of this. I think it's a fantastic thing. Looking forward to see. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. You know. Okay. I think you know this is the right place for us to be. We need to start. We need to get going. We, you know, we're going to learn so much. I mean, but I feel great about the fact that things we're doing something, and we can say to the community, you know, we're we're on our way here. So. We're, we're going to be talking a lot about this for the next quite a few years, I'm sure. So, but this is the right place to start. So, ready to vote? All right, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That passes 4-0. Thank you so much for, you know, I just, let me just say, you guys are great examples of what my, having grown up here at Midland's really all about. It's like people see an issue and they start to address it. And I think that... You know, it's just really nice to sit in the room with you. So thank you very much for that. So um, now we're to the part of public comment. This is an opportunity for the public to make comment on issues relevant to council business, but not on the agenda. Is there any public comment tonight? Okay, seeing none, then we'll move on to item number three, which is um, has to do with the uh, request from the Baseball Foundation. Mr. Kane is here to talk to us about that. Thank you. Good evening. Provide some background on the request before you tonight. Uh, as you all know, the Michigan Department of Transportation has been working with the city of Midland since 2015 on redesign options for the Business Route 20 or Business Route 10 corridor. Uh, this is a project that extends roughly from just outside our doors here at City Hall on Jerome Street um, to our east uh, to the roundabout at the entrance to US 10. Back in 2021, City Council passed a resolution which at the time supported the conversion of Buttle Street from three lanes to two lanes and also directed staff to continue to work with MDOT on designs that advanced the jointly established project goals. Um, subsequent to that, in July of 2022, MDOT held a public open house event and released their advanced design concepts for the corridor to the public. Just to reiterate, those joint project goals with the city and MDOT included improving safety for motorized and non-motorized transportation users, encouraging economic development in the corridor, improving inter-neighborhood connectivity and mobility, and developing a corridor that better reflects current roadway design standards and best practices for both motorized and non-motorized users. To give you an overview of the current design concepts, I've taken two excerpts from your packet tonight. The first is depicting the area in the immediate adjacency of City Hall and the county complex. So this is looking at your um, 
uh, left to right trajectory is M20 and Jerome Street, running from just south of City Hall um, to the Indian and Buttle Street intersections. And you'll see that generally speaking, um, the corridor alignments are fairly close to today's um, alignment. Those line, darker lines are indicating the reconstructed configuration of the roadway. Not much change except for a little bit of change along Buttle Street, which we'll get to in just a moment. Looking further down the corridor, so this is rounding the corner onto Buttles and Indian from Jerome. You'll see again along the Indian Street corridor, uh, pretty much status quo. So reconstruction of the corridor, uh, utilizing the existing footprint of the roadbed as it exists today. Along Buttles Street, a little bit more uh, difference. So you'll see that that rightmost lane, the southern lane of Buttle Street dropped, consistent with the agreed upon design for that roadway. Um, with the exception of a few locations where a right turn lane is proposed. So you'll see on the diagram there's a right turn proposed that would start at approximately Gordon Street, aligning with the driveway into the county parking lot and running and providing right turn access onto Ashman. Further down the corridor, you'll see the same treatment as um, proposed, which would provide a right turn lane onto Cronkrite um, and eventually uh, into Poseyville Road. Just to zoom in a little bit more, just to walk through some of those changes. So you'll see here in orange, that outermost right lane on this concept drawing being eliminated on Buttles. Essentially a new curb line being proposed, which would run down that lane marking that currently demarks that outer lane. The proposed street alignment for the remaining two lanes of Buttles Street would basically consist of the center lane of today's Buttles Street and the outermost left lane. Current concept drawings show Indian Street is remaining at its current three-lane cross-section and within its current alignment, so essentially being rebuilt with the same curb lines that exist today. So the design questions that were raised um, to the city of Midland by the Michigan Baseball Foundation included why MDOT was not proposing to convert the three-lane vehicular traffic cross-section of Indian Street into two lanes of vehicular traffic, which is what is currently proposed for Buttle Street, and also could Buttles and Indian Streets be realigned closer to the center line of their respective rights of way. So just to give you a little overview of what that would look like, so you'll see the areas in orange that are marked on the screen. So essentially the question from the Michigan Baseball Foundation is, would MDOT look at or could they consider design options that would shift the roadway into the center of today's roadbed? So that rather than maintaining the existing curb lines for Indian Street on both sides of the roadway and on Buttle Street on the northern side of the roadway, would there be options that would relocate the road into the center of that existing right away? Potential benefits of this would be to provide a greater buffer to the pedestrian traffic along both sides of those roadways, as well as additional buffering to the um, developed environment outside of the public right of way. The resolution in front of you tonight um, just simply does one thing, and it's really reiterating your prior resolution from 2021. This would provide direction to city staff to work with Michigan Department of Transportation staff and representatives of Michigan Baseball Foundation to look at these potential design alternatives. And so our first goal would really be to go back to Michigan Baseball Foundation, understand exactly what they're asking and why, and then for us to re-engage with our MDOT partners in this dialogue. Um, it should go without saying that since January 2021, city staff has had many engagements with MDOT staff on the proposed design alternatives. We will continue to do that uh, in concert with your prior resolution, but in the interest of transparency to the public, given the nature of the request, um, it's a fairly significant request as it comes to the design of the corridors, we wanted to get this in front of you tonight for consideration and to let the public know that that request had been made. 
We did receive two public comments on tonight's resolution and those were both in opposition to the resolution. So with that, I'd welcome any questions from the city commission. Is there, is there a reason that, what is it that they oppose? Can I ask? What was the opposition? The opposition to the resolution? Yeah. Um, I think as best I could summarize, there's I think both a little conflation of this issue with the prior resolution of support for the road diet on Buttle Street. And I think there was some objection to just the timing. I would happen, again, we bring this forward to you tonight, sure. not because we don't have, we've been empowered by city council to have these conversations already right. by the prior resolution. We want this to be in the public's awareness, so. So when. Um, so Madam Mayor, perhaps yeah. before you go on, just to clarify that, because we do have the letters and you were all provided yeah. with them um, earlier, but in part, ironically speaking, there, one of the complaints in the, in the objections was that the city is not being transparent by having this come forward which as uh, Mr. Kane has just indicated, it was her entire intent not to simply deal with this in the background, which we could have done in accordance with the original January uh, resolution, but we felt it was most appropriate to bring this forward and have an open discussion just so that, as Jacob indicated, um, the public was aware the discussion was going on. So there was a, a general gist in there. Um, and there was also a belief, uh, it's a little hard to put in simple language, but essentially what it was was that they felt it was one-sided to allow for the Baseball Foundation to have input into this um, and not have an open, full-blown uh, public discussion, which I think, as Mr. Keynes indicated too, was um, tying it back to the discussion of whether this is a three or a two-lane profile through this corridor, which it is not. Um, that decision has been made and rendered, and we're simply dealing with the design issues on these streets at this point in time. So that was one of them. Um, and the other was also uh, largely the same in terms of the one-sided uh, nature of the opportunity to provide feedback, which again, th this is a process, MDOT, anyone is entitled and able, if they so wish, to, to write to MDOT. This happened to come in the form of a question to council, and it also happened to come from a group that has been publicly chastised for per um, basically pursuing their own interests in this corridor, and so to make it open and apparent uh, what was going on, we felt it was better to do this rather than to quietly in the background do it, which we have been doing and working for a number of months with design issues, but this was a specific question from a specific group. Okay, so let me, because I think I might be missing the boat here on something, because okay. we just had MDOT came in and had a, a meeting here to show people what it looked like, and we asked for feedback. Isn't that just feedback what we just got was feedback? <laughs> mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't know that we heard feedback from anyone else, frankly. Um, Have we? I've got part of the discussion here, but I'm not sure that it's, it's it'd be directed. So to I guess I did get some calls. <laughs> I, I mean, that was my, I mean, I'm thinking this is what exactly what we asked for was they came, they showed us, and like, what did we think of the plan? Sure, and I mean, and I've, yeah. I've been here five months this week. And, yeah. um, so, <laughs> sorry, sorry, so, Jacob. No, sorry. So, no, it's so, okay. Yeah, Welcome no, to this. So yes. I say that to put context of the fact that I've had multiple discussions sure. with members of the public about this project as well in that short period of time, and and we've done our best to work with our MDOT yep. partners to get answers to those questions right. as they've arisen, to talk about what design options are on the table or not on the table because okay. of, you know, federal standards or state standards. Um, and that's included meeting on site to walk the corridor with folks to talk about some particular issues. Yeah. Um, it's really the, the golden hour to have these conversations because MDOT is working on the next stage of their design right. work. And so like any project, the sooner we can integrate feedback and find consensus, the better uh, because design changes later in the process could slow the project down, add budget cost to the state. We don't wanna do that. 
Um, and so timing wise, you know, we're getting to the end of that window uh, because we are approaching that next release of plans. But we, I know from recent conversations with MDOT that we're certainly not too late at this stage to have these conversations. And um, so that's why we're here tonight. Okay. Um, I guess a couple things. You know, Brad, I, I disagree with you a little bit, and I agree with one of the comments that was made by one of the people who posed it. <clears throat> the, the Michigan Baseball Foundation was the strongest advocate for lane reduction. They are one side of the equation. The other side was a large number of people in the, in the community who wanted no change, okay? <clears throat> we went down a path of, I don't know how many city council meetings, we had separate meetings. I would say a majority of those, there was an MDOT or two representative in our audience and even coming to speak on, on a number of occasions. Baseball Foundation people came up and, and spoke as well. Um, we went forward, we passed a resolution, talked, and, and the resolution addressed bottles only, right? It did not address Indian. What we, what we authorized was going forward bottles. Um, and so, and I was at the July meeting, the July uh, that was referred to, which was for public input. Um, honestly, and there was, there was a lot of MDOT people here. There was a lot of consultants here that were working with and for MDOT. So they clearly are putting a lot of horsepower into what they proposed at, and presented at the July meeting, which was for community input. Um, and... That question about why Indian, why not Indian, was asked by a representative of the Michigan Baseball Foundation, um, and an answer was given. Which exact, one? I, you know, I'm not going to quote the because oh. it wasn't it wasn't videotaped and I didn't jot it oh, down, so I don't okay. want to misrepresent. But there was a specific answer that was given as to why not Indian. Fine, that was consistent with what our resolution said back in January of 2021. So okay. MDOT was coming forward with a proposal consistent with what our resolution was. There was some talk about how wide the sidewalks should be and where they should be relative to the street. And that's all, that's the kind of detail now that you decided Buttles is two lanes, Indians three lanes. How do we design the rest of it, right? <clears throat> okay, but now you have one of the sides of the advocacy coming forward wanting sort of a second bite at the apple because clearly what was being proposed by MDOT and which was consistent with our resolution, is not what they wanted. They wanted two lanes, Indian and Buttles. They, they, I think there's no secret about that. that and so now you have a situation, MDOT presented, presented in July, I guess you could have another community input session, but they got their feedback uh, from the people who were there. And now you want one of the advocacy groups to come in and have a separate role at the table because they don't like the result, is the way I read it. And I'm saying, you know, we have expended a lot of time and effort at this council. We've, we've caused a lot of consternation and dissent amongst the community. Everybody has kind of said, okay, fine, let MDOT do its thing. They're the experts, right? I'm not sure what skill the Michigan Baseball Foundation has in road construction and design. That doesn't seem to me to be their bailiwick. You got MDOT, you got, I think it's, DLZ, I forget who the consultant is, but they've got consultants that are, that are at their disposal and being hired for this purpose. They got a recommendation. We ought to be talking about things around the, the, the edges here, things like the sidewalks and so forth. Um, you know, they talk about, again, 
moving the roadway to the center, I mean, I'm not an engineer, but I'm saying keeping the existing curb line seems to be the most efficient way to redesign a street from three lanes down to two. Why push two, two, two curb lines in when you can just push one? It just seems to be common sense and a good cost-saving measure. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to get, and I, think, and I think in fairness, if you're going to have the Baseball Foundation come in and have a seat at the table, you should have people who are opposing it all. I mean, that was some of the comments that were made during that July meeting is, why are we even doing this? Why are we reducing two lanes? That was feedback that was given, but the response back was, oh, no, 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 We've, we're done with that. We're done with that argument. And for the same reason, you should say, you know, we're done with the Indian discussion, too. Let's see how this goes. I mean, if you really want to, I mean, I guess you'd look at it and say, let's MDOT go forward with their proposal. They can work with the city people around some of the, you know, with Jay, I'm sure Jacob doesn't have extra time that he's looking to, to use here. Um, you know, this is, this is an MDOT road. It's a, it's a, it's a U.S. highway. Um, let them do their job. We gave them the guidance. I don't want to take up more of the council time, our staff time, to do something that, you know, has kind of been beaten to death. I mean, heck, and, it, and I'm not kidding here because we know Marty faced a recall over this point. I mean, this is a, this is a very contentious issue. <clears throat> and you let, you let the Baseball Foundation come back in at this point in time, you're creating just consternation that's not necessary in my mind. Let's go, let, the, let MDOT do its thing, let them work with staff like they're going to do. If they want to have another community input session, fine, but I don't think we should have a, allow a private input from one of the, one of the advocates to this, to this procedure. That's, that's kind of what I think. And I, Jacob, you're, you're safe here because... <laughs> You have been here only five months, although I think you were here when the July meeting was, but you know, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on not knowing what ends up there. But uh, that's, you know, and I guess, I guess to turn it around and say, look, as we, as we think about how we're gonna vote on this, what happens if it was one of the advocates of no lane closures coming in and asking, making the same request? What would we do? Which would be, I mean, what would that request look like? It would just simply say, you know, and I, you know, the problem is it was more members of the community, but one of the members of the community came forward and said, I want to I go back and revisit or their, and part of their design and, and increase the, the lane size back in, on both streets back up to three. That's the other argument on this. So, you know, I think we need to think about it that way, too. So that's, that's my more of a discussion. So and I don't like know I said, if is questions for you or I did receive a couple phone calls on this. I had my own questions about this. I did not attend the July. I did call MDOT because I wanted to understand mm -hmm. this. Because my understanding, obviously, I had an understanding not quite the same as everybody else, maybe, was one, when we did the bollards, that we were only studying buttles because we didn't need to study because they were basically, you know, the same kind of traffic patterns. We only we didn't need to create chaos on two roads. We only did it on one to get a sense of that. Now it was said to me that they're two different roads, but I thought the. And so I'm like, okay, they're two different roads, but that doesn't mean to me two different roads. We're not going to do anything to the other road that they're two different roads. So I was a bit surprised to see like really no changes on Indian because our goal when that was really to create a more walkable community or a more, you know, to slow down the traffic. And I don't see by doing nothing that slows down the traffic myself. So that's, so I'm like, well, whoa, did I miss something 
on that because I saw no, no changes on India. I mean, I think that, you know, in looking at that, I really didn't understand, you know, in looking at those pictures doesn't really tell me very much. I'm a, I need a lot more visual than that. But I'm looking at, you know, we have some property, the city does right here on the curb of Jerome, um, of Jerome and Buttles, and why aren't we taking, doing some right away to make that a softer curve? One of the things, the comments I got from someone was, hey, there should be no, no turn um, right onto Buttles from Jerome on a red. I'm like, okay. You know, one of my comments personally is I think we should start slowing down traffic coming off the roundabout on Indian. Because I think it, it's too fast off of Indian and I saw nothing addressing it all the way there. That's where the speed started because you're going 15 miles an hour. I'm thinking, gee, why didn't they take a look at that? And so I think that, you know, I, if this was to say give us feedback on the design, I think that's just design feedback. It's not to go back to the beginning, it's just feedback on the design and to ask questions about that design. Not to go back to the initial question. But it's been done, it's being done in a non-public fashion, right? Uh, uh, I mean, look at what they're uh, asking uh, for, right? What we're asking for, they're asking both, I mean, they're asking two very controversial points here, which, you know, and I'm gonna be careful here, Maureen, because I don't yeah. wanna go back and, yeah, and debate fine. all the, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I have, a, I have a counter to every one of your points there as well that you just made okay. as far as why, you know, you're talking about re immediately taking street design down, but we've done no other effort, we've taken no other efforts to try and achieve these objectives. We haven't, we haven't worked on cross signals, we haven't worked on uh, reducing speed limits, we haven't worked on uh, alternating light timing so that all things that can you be used to, to aid in crossing the street and slowing down traffic without tearing up lanes and, and reconfiguring it. So, so now you get it, and it's in the transparency part comes in, okay, so why, why does the Baseball Foundation care so much about this? Well, it's not about going to the baseball games. So As I, a newbie, this is a public meeting, right? We're yeah. having the public. Yeah, I thought this. Right, this is but, the, but you gotta I, understand, I this is this is going to go from from a public meeting here, a public discussion, to sanctioning our staff in conjunction with the baseball foundation okay. to discuss the design of the roads. That's not a public input session. That's not another July meeting where you've got members of the public being able to come in and give other arguments about why or why not. <clears throat> And the other thing is, you're, and the thing that's so frustrating here, it's completely disregarding the information that was presented in July about why MDOT came forward with the proposal that they did. I mean, that's kind of, in me, to me, that's a done deal. We're going back and, 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 and trying to give somebody who's got sour grapes, it sounds like, and uh, giving them another opportunity to get their way. We've, we're... <laughs> I mean, I guess I just can't even begin to see it that way. But because anybody else who says, well, can you, can you change the curve line there? I think that would be a softer curve. We're not talking, I mean, the two points. Yeah. Moving in, moving from a, from a, a, a maintaining a, the single curb to moving curbs in from both sides, which now all of a sudden does things to the property rights on either side, which is a whole other issue about how close we and build to the And that doesn't do property rights. <coughs> no, that's still our right away. It is our right away. Yeah, it's our right away, yeah, but it yeah. provides additional buffer, right? Then the other part is this whole concept of three lanes on, on Indian. 
That's MDOT decided that. So I think so, people are giving so feedback. The, but that's, but, so now, and that was one of the things, by the way, that, that the Baseball Foundation objected to. They, you know, they wanted the two lanes. MDOT comes back with three, okay? That's a pretty significant difference. Our resolution, again, going back to January, mentioned nothing about Indian. It didn't say two lanes both ways. It was just bottles only. So now, by to me, <clears throat> by by sanctioning this discussion, we're we're changing the we're changing the nature of the resolution. So. So, so if I may, so um, to speak to a couple of points. So, firstly, it's not well. Can I, we're still in question mode and everything. Right. I, I, well, but can, can we finish off with that and everything, and okay. then we can Fine. go into the Do discussion we, Does anybody phase. have any questions for Mr. Kane? I've been sitting all day, so I'm happy to stand. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you sit I mean, down, we'll have a question. That's fine. That's fine, too. I mean, I just am like, I don't know how this would differ than anybody else, than the person calling me and saying, hey, why, uh, can we take that, make that a softer curve? I don't think that's some grand conspiracy. I don't think saying turn left or right on the, but that's not a, that's feedback based on what they asked for. The, the three lanes to two lanes is not a minor detail. It's a major bone of contention that got us into this uh, situation in the first place. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry, Marty. No, I'm <laughs> Is there any other questions for Mr. Kane? Thank you. Thank you. Any comments from the public? Then we'll have a discussion. <laughs> Guess what? 6106 Sturgeon Creek Parkway. Yeah. I, I don't know who you are, though. <laughs> but, I'm still <laughs> but, but yeah, it's a good point. Anyways, yeah, I mean, this, Steve's got, I mean, I remember how contentious that was. I've never seen so many people so upset in this whole town and really didn't feel they had any input at all on this whole road diet thing. And basically, if you're saying you want to change it now that you've already approved it, you know, basically, you can just say you want to start over again and go through this whole thing again, as far as I can see, because if you're going to accept one change, and the, you, you said you were going to follow MDOT, and now you want to change that, we might as well go back to square one and start over again. We'll go through this whole thing and get Tom McCann to put full-page articles in the paper and get, you know, 200 people here to, to, to dispute this. I mean, whole, the whole thing to me... You know, just because one person or one group of people are not happy, there's probably three, four thousand people that are not happy. I, I, I'm just, I'm including me. I just, I just made a resolution. I don't go downtown at all anymore. Two day, two days a year will I go downtown. My wife and my birthday, which are the same day, okay, and our anniversary because I go to Maru's. Other than that, I don't. I just avoid downtown altogether because, and I'll avoid. So I, it's just a mess down there now. I don't really like it anymore. So I'm just telling you, just go. With, you, you said you wanted to go with MDOT before. Just stay with that. You prove that. But if you want to try to prove something else, you might as well start from the very beginning. And we'll go through this whole another year of discussing the road diet and how much people like it or don't like it. And if you really want to know how people are, put some kind of a, a, a voting proxy or something in one of the things and then you really know how many how many people like it and don't like it Thank you. then i can then i will never be able to speak about that again thank you <laughs> any other comments from the public okay will you please read the resolution 
This resolution directs staff to work with MDOT staff and Michigan Baseball Foundation representatives to explore the potential of additional design alternatives for the redesign of Buttles and Indian Streets. Okay, can we have a motion to accept the resolution? So move. I'll second it. Okay, discussion. Marty, you were going to say well, no, something well, no, before. No, no, I just, I, now we're in discussion phase okay. and everything, so I, I think you guys can continue <laughs> your part of the discussion. I, 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 think, I think citizens of, this, of our community have a right to, to express themselves. And I think that that's what that was. And they asked us, why, they wanted a, an answer why. I think, well, there you go. And you were going to say something, Mr. K. Just a few clarification points to, to make sure that we're sort of on point. Um, so the question was asked, uh, for instance, why is the, uh, the Michigan Baseball Foundation involved in this? And the reason is that they're an economic development corporation that by charter um, is directed to look at economic development in our downtown. So it's not the baseball group. It's not Dow Diamond. It's not Dow. It's nobody else. It is an economic development organization uh, that has that charter. Um, I think you clarified already the issue of property rights. Uh, what we do within the right-of-way makes no difference to the property rights on individual properties beyond that. Uh, yes, there may be bigger buffers that are provided, but their property rights still stop at the property line um, of MDOT, and that is not proposed in any way to change. That's come up quite a number of times because people believe that they're going to get extra property. Simply uh, is not the case. Um, comment was made, why them? Why listen to them? Part of that is, as Mr. Kane indicated, as public members have come forward, as they've expressed concerns, we have taken those into our um, consideration. We have looked at those and we have talked about those with MDOT. This is no different. The only difference is we chose to bring it here because of the background and the history with this particular organization and because the question was asked to council as opposed to being simply a discussion with staff. And so we treated it differently because of that. Um, the question of where the road locates within the right-of-way um, doesn't address the issue of a three versus two-lane profile. That is, the resolution's gone up here, but that's the context-sensitive design issues, and it does have a very big impact on the corridor, how it works, the effects for pedestrians, all of those other factors that you as council directed us at the staff level to look at. So that is a very reasonable request from, frankly, one that makes a lot of sense um, for us to look at. I understand the concern of costs, and it would be a more costly project in that context, um, but that's not necessarily, as we're looking at design, our driving factor. Um, Councilman Arnosky has a stronger point, certainly, on the question of three to two on Indian, because he's quite correct. The council has never taken a position on how many lanes should be on Indian. Um, and the question that was asked of you by the Baseball Foundation was, why not do that also on Indian? And it's a reasonable question to ask, and I understand Councilman Arnosky has indicated it was asked in the public forum, but I don't know that we've ever had that answer presented or provided to us at the city level, at least at a staff level. Um, well, yeah, city representatives at that meeting as well. It is, you know. <clears throat> understood, but we've, we've not heard in any official sense back from MDOT as to why that was or wasn't the case. And the city, um, to really quite frankly put an argument to it, the city's been silent on what to do with Indian. We didn't take a position one way or the other. So, so your argument, as I said, is much stronger on should we talk about a three or two right. because you as council have not directed us on that. You're quite correct. 
Um, and then the other comment that came out a little bit was, we decided to go with MDOT's design. That is not what the resolution of council said. All you resolved was to go with a two-lane profile and work with MDOT on the design of this right. corridor. And that's what we're trying to do at this point in time. So nothing, I, I don't mean to contradict, it's simply to set the record straight on the points that are out there um, that are kind of the background to this request. Yeah, and I think giving, I think giving feedback on the design is what they've asked for. It's feedback on design. So feedback on the design and buttles is what they're given. Like, can why not, you know, do it the other? Why not move it more to the to the middle instead of taking from one side rather than the other? You know, transparency has always been an issue in my in my mind, at least with respect to why the what the Midland Business uh, Michigan Baseball Foundation's uh, motives were. I think the community agrees with me there. Um, you know, it's it's, okay, wait, a, what it's, it's wait, wait, wait. It's I'm a nonprofit confused. organization, and you know, I'm missing what you feel the motives are. I don't know what their motives are. I don't know where their motives are, and a lot of the community doesn't know what their motives are, and, and so you you assign probably the worst motives to it. All right, why? And then as far as them working with, I still go back to why would we sanction? the Midland Business Foundation exclusively to work with our staff to work with MDOT. Why not have another public forum like they did in July to, to express these things? Not behind a closed doors in a meeting, but come back here in council chambers, have MDOT come forward, open it to the public, Michigan Baseball Foundation can express their views, the consultants and so forth. That's the right forum by which you should suggest public input. Not a separate resolution here saying that Michigan Baseball Foundation only because they happen to express an interest of having this meeting with our staff and with MDOT. That doesn't, it just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like the transparency we're supposed to be having. So, so Councilman Arnoski, if that was what we were proposing, you'd be correct. But what you heard Jacob say was that what we would like to do and we're asking for direction above board in front of everybody to do is go talk to, to the MBF find out what their concerns are, and then we would go to MDOT, not take the MBF with us to MDOT. It is not meant to be a three-way meeting. Um, it is simply to work with the MBF to understand their concerns, as Mr. Kane indicated, and then the next step would be for city staff to go and talk to MDOT beyond that. But isn't that nothing more than public input, and shouldn't that even that input be done in a public forum? So we shouldn't talk to anyone is what you're saying, because no, that's should... what Mr. Kane said. We've already been doing that for the last 10 months with members of the public who come forward and speak to us. We consider their concerns, and if there's validity to them, we have already taken those to MDOT. It's no different, it just happens to be, this one happens to be in the form of a letter to you. So, so I understand where you're coming from, but it's no different than the process that's been going on. I, I guess that doesn't change my, my feelings about how this has come about, it really doesn't. Okay, well, I believe that citizens have, you know, we asked for input, MDOT came, they asked for input, they said, hey, we have input, we'd like to give you the input. I say, okay, there's the input, they, they asked that question. We can ask that question on their behalf. I, I don't see that as, as any different. And I expressed questions that other came to me. I'm like, okay, there are some questions. That's it. I mean, how, if there's only one way to, to, to create a whole big another public forum to, to ex express questions, that to me is, we the, had that. The difference, I think, is these are two very material changes that we're talking about that the baseball product, they're not talking about 
sidewalk design or curb design. That's not what this is about. I would probably be, if, 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 if the Baseball Foundation says, geez, wouldn't it be nice to take that corner, that sharp corner off like you were speaking to earlier, Maureen, fine. But this is talking about changing three-lane, two-lane configuration and also shifting the roadbed. Yeah, I mean, I don't, well, okay. So for me, shifting the roadbed, that to me says, okay, I'm gonna either take a big hunk from this side or I'm gonna take a little hunk from this side and a little hunk from that side. That to me, it's the, you're ending up with the same size roads, but that you're just determining what, you know, that you're gonna to wanna to take it from both sides instead of one. So to me, that's, you're getting to the same result there. Okay, I'll, I'll give you like uh, an Indian, like where, I'll give you that. But I, I think the other one is just a very simple question. Could, could this, you know, would that, be a better way to do it? If, if not, why? What's your rationale behind that? I mean, it, because it just, they're going to rip out the whole road anyway. They're, they're not, they're not, they are ripping out the whole road. It's a whole rebuild of that road. So how they rebuild it, I don't know that that's going to dramatically change the, the cost. You know, I, I guess I go back to what they're, what MDOT is proposing is based upon people who work exclusively on roads and consultants that help advise them exclusively on roads. I would think that they would know a little bit about what they're doing. I know we like to Monday morning quarterback things, but nonetheless, you know, we rely as council on experts and consultants all the time, much to the dismay of, of some of the members of the community. But it's the same situation here. You know, we are members of the state that, that pays taxes, that has a, has a transportation group called MDOT. Um, and they've hired their consultants to help design this thing. So now let them go forward. My, wait, wait, let, that's uh, not what we asked those for. We asked for feedback on that road. I mean, did you look at it? Did you have any feedback on that? On the, I was on there the in the July meeting. I made comments. Okay. So I said, hey, listen, I don't But I didn't now ask for a separate, you know, to provide separate, separate input to... Well, I, was there a, was there something that came up there that said, "Okay, no comments now, no more comments, no more questions"? The baseball foundation folks spoke at the meeting, asked their questions, got their answers, just like every other member of the public. Why? Why they need a? Why did they need a special session? Well, well I got. Okay. I, I was going to say again, they're not asking for a special session. They have asked council what if any position you're going to take relative to the design. These happen to be the two issues that when we press them to find out what concerns they had that they brought forward. But they're not asking for a special session. Yeah. Let me get my feeling on all this stuff. Throw it out there, Mike. So, I think if we go forward on this, I don't have a problem with looking at the design for centering and everything like that. They're basically bringing up a suggestion they're going to give their points and everything like that. MDOT, with all their engineers and everything, we'll are going to say, no, this is the right way, or that might be a good idea, or a combination of the two. On the Indian part, I agree with that. Um, we definitely did not make a decision on that. So I, I think we take that off the table in the discussions and everything like that, because we have not made a decision on that. In fact, when we were talking about this and everything, we said, basically, we're going to set that aside because there's just different aspects of that and everything going on. So, um, and I don't know where I actually sit on that. I mean, 
that's a separate discussion altogether is my my thought on that so I would say so I support with the resolution of going forward with that Indian basically no I don't want no discussion on that and well, then um, but talking about the centering of the lane or you know that's a concept that they can look at and again MDOT's gonna with all their consultants and everything like that they're gonna be making the final decision on that so so one point of clarity mm -hmm. then this is a 35 year road whatever we do so for them to just say okay fine <clears throat> you guys didn't talk about Indian and we didn't talk about Indian so we're gonna just do Indian the way it was well that's kind of silly I mean, we didn't, if we didn't have a conversation about it, then we probably need to have a conversation about it before they go and build a 35-year road, you know, at some point. But as it relates to Buttles, I think, you know, I mean, they gave back to us something we didn't have a conversation about. They gave back to us around Indian something we didn't have a conversation about. So, so if it's off the table, then it's off... You know, whatever. But I think we, and if we're going to talk about any, and then we start from the beginning, I suppose, if that's what we're going to do. But as it relates to Buttles, I think this is, it's fair for anybody in the community to ask questions about that road. We said down to a two-lane profile, so how it looks, I think now we're, you know, we, we want to understand why not. Why don't you center it instead of taking off, lopping off one side and not, and not from the other? Why can't you, can you soften that curb? Can you do, we're now talking about, you know, some other things along with that, I think, I think that, I don't think they're asking an unreasonable question. Welcome to council, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I guess the, the, the resolution, the way it's worded is, 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 it's not subject to, it's not really conducive to a amendment, but because it's in the whereas clause is right. where the, the trouble is. <clears throat> in the whereas clause. Yeah, it's, it's uh, so if you look at. The main at, one right above the result yeah. paragraph. Because it, it does speak specifically what regarding. On? I'm sorry, what I'm page? on page, what is that, 30 uh, of the agenda? Yeah, 30, okay, in, whereas. 30 in the box. Yeah. Yeah. Where it speaks specifically request the city inquire with MDOT regarding the potential to convert the three-lane vehicular travel traffic cross-section of Indian Street into two and to realign Buttles and Indian to the center, closer to the center line. So it, it's a combined paragraph. Um, and the resolve doesn't get to that specifics, but that is part of the resolution and, and part of what the request essentially is. So. So you have the options. It, it doesn't sound like there's a consensus or an agreement from council to, to involve the three-lane profile on Indian in this resolution. Um, there's not, as Councilman Arnosky indicated, a really way, easy way to amend and clear that up. So we, you could either just do a, a voice one. I would rather you table this um, if that is your direction to simply talk about the centering of the road and then we can bring back a, a cleaner resolution to that effect if that is your wish. At least that's from, I mean, from two we, of you I've heard I that. Mean, One of you I've heard against that, um, so I'm not sure what the full uh, direction is, but we can bring that back with a much cleaner resolution only on that, again, if that's your desire. I, I would support if you, if you if you remove the, the three lane to two lane, the, the discussion of Indian altogether, mm -hmm. um, 
the rest of it, I think MDOT will have its own reasons, uh, both economic okay. and otherwise, as far as where the centering of the road would be, the, you know, the roadbed and, and these other things. Um, and and if, if MDOT's making the decision, it takes away the, the suspicion that there is some property interest, that whole property interest uh, discussion out of the, out of the equation. Um, so that's fine with me. So I guess the question is, how do we, you know, what do we do here? Do we want to table it? Or do we simply want to uh, just modify okay, the resolution uh, to exclude uh, any discussion of Indian? You could do that if, and then we would clean that language up as well. That would be an option. So it would be, if you want to modify, amend the resolution or direct the work with MDOT staff and representatives of MBF to explore the potential of design alternatives other than those on Indian Street. So it's fairly simple wording. That'll work. So. We'll get that off the recording. <laughs> no, I, I think it's I just, I think it's just so we're, quick so we're tabling I, this. I, no, well, no, I think we're well, amending yeah, I think right now to say, amend the resolution. I, I, I um, propose to amend the resolution to add the words after these design alternatives, um, except for those on Indian Street. So basically, that allows Buttles. Oh, you're you're moving. You're amending the resolve paragraph. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I could, okay. Yeah, because the the yeah, that everything would work else because is the putting in the resolve portion talks correct. about what the nope. request yep. was. Yeah. Yep. So that yeah. Would work. I, I feel comfortable with that. You guys got it. <clears throat> yeah. All right. We'll so I, I, up. so I move to amend. So you do we need, need a second. second for I'll the second. Do we have a second? Marty. Second. Okay. Marty first and second. Okay. Discussion. Okay. Pretty right. much in line with what I was talking about. So, like I said, I think that, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with the one ways. I mean, we're looking at that separately and everything, too. So, that's what I'm, yeah. I'm about 99% sure I'm following everything that's happening. Good. <laughs> it's very interesting to me. You know, I. I think it'll come in, in due time, and I'll, I'll grasp the one percent that I'm not that I may have some. It's not an easy one to start with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we're basically saying is earlier on, council supported going forward with changes to bottles. That was no question on that. We didn't do anything for beyond that. Now, what that means is, is you, if you change bottles, it's going to involve. Putting in turn lanes, changing walkways, uh, maybe maybe taking curves, you know, edges off the curves, you know, right angles off the curves, that kind of stuff. But all with respect to bottles, Indian will basically remain as it is, but it will be reconstructed, repaved, to because it has it needs repairs and stuff like that. So it's going to have to get fixed anyway. But it'll just keep it as it is. So bottles will be substantially changed. Indian will remain the same. You know, in my mind, this is not a crisis. If you let this thing play out and you decide either the two lanes is a better way to go, the next time around you can change Indian. If two lanes is the wrong way to go, maybe then we need to look at putting bottles back the way it was. But then you'll have real, real, real world experience and not just barrels with uh, a redesign. 
So what we're deciding right now is let's go forward with bottles. Right, it, the, the distinction between the two. Yeah. I, and, I, and I, I, ought to, I just, I always assume that it was together. That's just me. But I, just from talking to people around the town when they were against the diet on India and they were against everything, you know. Oh, yeah, they, people are against everything. That's what I mean. <laughs> they didn't, people didn't make a distinction between <laughs> Indians and Buttles. They just, it was always whatever's because happening. Because they, they didn't want it being changed at all. So yeah. there's a, that's a whole other camp from the Baseball Foundation who wanted substantial changes to both. That's why I said there's two sides of this argument here with the Baseball Foundation advocating for a more, more drastic change. What we're coming back with here is a kind of a compromise. And it's consistent with our resolution that we had in July, uh, January of 21. Yeah, I was just going to clarify that yeah. this isn't the compromise, no. really. It was the January resolution yes. that was. So. Yep. Yep. So we got a motion and a second, and then we're still discussing mm -hmm. on the amendment. For, yeah, correct. Okay. Everybody clear on that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you vote on it? Or are you guys still discussing? No. no. Ready to vote? Okay. So we're voting on the amendment, amendment. right now. Amendment? Yes. Okay. All right, then all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Okay. okay. Now we got so to vote on the amended. On the, the amended, amended resolution. Yep. All right, then the amended resolution. Do you want to just read what that is again? Same, it's the same thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause okay. Do you have it, or can you read that out for them, what the resolved paragraph would be of that? You want me to read just the resolved part? The yeah. one as amended. Yeah. Okay. Um, do I read the resolution summary and then the resolve? Just the resolve. Just paragraph. the resolve no. paragraph because that's <laughs> the one that we changed Sorry. in the resolution. Yeah. Resolve that city staff are directed to work with MDOT staff and representatives of MBF to explore the potential of these design alternatives except for those on Indian Street. So the original motion was what's printed on your agenda, but it has now been amended yes. with those okay. words. So I'll move. Moved. It's already moved. So you have yeah. to have a yeah, motion. We have it. So we have it. Yeah. Marty, right, so Marty moved right. and the mayor actually um, seconded the original motion. So you had the motion that was we out there. You amended it, but the original motion as now amended is still out there. So you're ready for uh, voting. The on very it. first original one I seconded. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. But that's no longer on the table. Right. Yes, but it is. You amended it. We amended okay. it. Okay. It stays right. on the table. Right. You, that's, you couldn't amend something that wasn't on the table. All right. So, so we're voting on the amended motion. Right. Correct. correct. Yes, correct. Okay. That's correct. All right, then. Ready to vote? Okay. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Okay. Okay. So that passes three, three to one. one. Okay. All right. All right. That takes us now down to item number four, which has to do with storm water. Um, Ordinance, Mr. Lemon, it's up to you. There we go. Good evening, Madam Mayor and members of council. Um, just going to kind of piggyback a little bit on what we talked about earlier in the evening as far as water and flooding issues. Um, there's been a lot of discussion at different council meetings over the past number of months uh, about what we currently have in place, what we don't have in place. Uh, whether we should look at, at changing some of that. So I wanted to come in this evening and, and kind of give you um, 
more of a high-level overview of what we currently have in place as far as our stormwater ordinance, uh, what it does, what it says, and any potential opportunities to change what we currently have in place. Um, so real quick, we'll just run through um, some background information as far as what is stormwater, why is it important to manage that and, and to keep track of it, um, what do we currently do to manage this, the, the current stormwater, what does our ordinance say right now, and um, what, what types of things may we have an option to, to update or change going forward. So first, what is stormwater? Uh, stormwater is essentially um, any rain, snow melt, runoff, any water that is falling on our land, essentially. Um, it's rural, it's rural, it's urban, it's agricultural, it, it falls everywhere, um, it, it's all stormwater. Runoff is one specific form of stormwater. Um, that is the water that does not soak into the ground, essentially. Um, it, it runs over, over land, um, runs into service waters, runs into storm drains, runs into ditches, culverts, streams, and that's really what we're mostly concerned with and looking at um, from our stormwater ordinance. So why is managing that stormwater important? Um, when we get a large rain event on undeveloped land, a, a lot of that water soaks into the ground. Um, some of it naturally uh, will stay as runoff, um, especially if the ground is already saturated, it can't hold everything. Um, but as we develop land, as we, as we do some construction out there, as we change that natural characteristics of that land, uh, we're reducing the area that's capable of holding the water in the ground. We're creating more runoff out of our total stormwater. Um, it remains above the ground and we need to do something about it. Um, why is it important to do something about it? Obviously, some recent pictures, we all know why it's important to, to consider our runoff and our stormwater. We obviously want to minimize and avoid as many of these types of situations as possible. Um, something that affects all of us. I know um, personally my home was flooded a couple years ago. Um, not a great situation to be in and we want to minimize that wherever possible. Um, it's kind of just a little bit more information um, of why, why that's important. We want to pre prevent the physical damage to a person, to property. Um, we want to protect against those floods, but we also want to maintain um, the, the integrity, the ecological integrity, the quality, the quantity of, of our water. We don't want floodwaters um, getting into anywhere, really. Um, so here, this is kind of a graphic that kind of explains a, a little bit and maybe shows this in a little bit different way. Um, on the left, you can see uh, just a, a typical before construction natural area um, on our hydrologic cycle. We'll get rain that falls on that. 
Um, some of that rain, some of that water gets intercepted by the trees that are there. Some of it will evaporate back out into the atmosphere. Uh, a lot of that water will soak into the ground. Some of it will be surface runoff. Some of it will soak into those kind of upper layers of, of the ground. Um, some of it will soak deep into the, the base. Um, but all of it will eventually filter through it and make its way to our, our streams and rivers. But as we change that, as we develop, as we construct things, um, you can see that there's a lot less area for the water to soak into the ground. There's a lot more um, impermeable surface. You can see that the surface runoff arrow on this particular graphic is a lot bigger on the, on the right, on the after construction. There's just a lot more water that remains on top of the ground and has to go somewhere than soaks into the ground in a typical undeveloped area. Oh, this one was not as hard to read on my computer earlier, <laughs> so I apologize for that, but this kind of uh, gives a little bit more of the same information. Um, why this is so important, uh, on your, your upper left here, that's kind of the same that we just looked at as far as the natural ground cover. Um, we've got different amounts of water going different places. Uh, on an undeveloped location, we typically have about 10% of the, the rainfall that, or the snow melt um, that, that occurs there will be overland runoff water. Um, as we develop a little bit further, moving to, to the right on that graphic, we've got about 10 to 20% of, of our surface now impervious, where the water can't soak into the ground. Now we've gone from about 10% of our water um, being overland runoff to about 20%. Um, so much, much more water. As we develop further, and we're in the 35 to 50% of our area is impervious. Uh, now we're looking at about 30% of our water as overland runoff. And as we develop further, that number just gets larger and larger. So, what are some typical ways that we manage this? Um, basically, we're looking at two different, um, two different prongs here on what to do. Uh, we're looking to control flooding first. Um, part of how we do that is installing, cleaning, maintaining uh, our, our infrastructure. That includes curbs and gutters. It includes the inlets you see in the streets, the underground sewers and pipes that don't see, um, ditches, culverts, uh, detention ponds is a big one that, that we'll talk much more about here in just a moment. Um, but our other area here is to regulate development on, on how we're changing that area from the, the pervious area of the natural um, undeveloped area to, to more of the impervious asphalt, concrete, buildings, things that don't hold the water. Uh, and we do that by some design standards that we have in place. We provide technical guidance. We review plans for any of these uh, potential site developments that come in. Uh, we perform construction site inspections as this development is happening and, and enforce those regulations going forward upon the completion of the construction as well. 
So we'll get into a little bit of what our current ordinance does now. Um, basically, what we have in place right now requires stormwater detention for all new construction, new development, or redevelopment within the city. Um, there are a couple exceptions to that. Um, single family or two family residences on one acre or less of, of the, the overall site plan um, are not subject to the stormwater detention. Um, there's also a potential exception for um, myself as the city engineer determining that the runoff from that site will not affect the receiving water course being uh, the streams and rivers that we're eventually um, outletting to. That is not something that we typically do, um, but, but it is an option that's in our current ordinance. Um, so what we typically see with our requirement for stormwater detention is these detention ponds, which you can see an example of here. They're essentially open and flat areas. Um, they're, they're dug down to provide some volume there. They're normally dry during low flow periods. When we do get rain events, they certainly can fill up. That's the design of them, that's their intent. Um, and then at that point, they allow the filtration and sedimentation to take place. What's in the water essentially sinks to the bottom. We release that water at a, a controlled flow rate in a designed direction, at a, at a designed volume, so that um, our, our receiving waters can, um, in theory, handle that stormwater. Um, essentially, they provide temporary storage so that the, the ground that is available to soak up the water that then moves through and this water can then take its place. It just slows down that process. So with those detention requirements in our current ordinance, how are they calculated? Um, we require that a developer looks at the, the drainage area, which is the total area of the site that drains to the detention storage outlet which means if they're building a, a detention pond on site, the entire area of the site where water flows into that location is subject to these calculations. Um, they will have to provide hydrologic and hydraulic calculations. Um, they're looking at types of soils and how much water they can hold, existing vegetative cover, um, how much plant material is there to, to soak up water or to have the water evaporate from it. Uh, current impervious areas, drainage patterns, floodplains, all of those go into these calculations that they're required to submit. Um, and the amount of water that's included in those calculations is based on the runoff resulting from receiving five inches of rainfall on that site within a 24 hour period. That's what our current standard says. Um, and after we detain that water, the, the rate at which we allow it to be released is limited to 0.2 cubic feet per second per acre of that site, up to a limit of three cubic feet per second. And we'll get into uh, what that means a little bit more in just a second. 
Um, we do currently have in our ordinance, um, it is allowable that developers can use street for storage um, up to a maximum depth of 18 inches. So if we get a heavy rainfall event and a site has graded their, their site to drain into the street, that can be their stormwater detention as our ordinance currently is set. Yes? Do these streets still have that discharge rate? Uh, yes, they do. It still applies to that? Yes, it does. Okay. It, if they're using it as, as their main storage it, to, to fulfill these requirements. Um, our, our ordinance currently does not allow or does not account for flows from upland areas. They're only subject to these calculations and determining stormwater detention for the water that falls on their site that they're developing. Um, putting all of this in place does require early installation on the site as they're going through the overall construction. This is typically one of the first portions of the construction that happens. Um, Either we as city staff or our, our inspection consultants are typically on site um, through this process to, to make sure that they're following what the approved plans are and, and things are going in place as they are intended. Yes, sir. Do, when you say streets, does that include parking lots or drives? <clears throat> it can include all of those. It can include um, parking lots, driveways, uh, the public roadways. Okay. <clears throat> so how do these detention ponds work? Um, basically, we've got uh, a developed site or a developing site. Um, the water falls on that site. It's graded um, to have the water flow in a specific direction. Um, sometimes that's directly overland, sometimes that can go into um, storm inlets that then have a pipe, as you can see this inlet pipe here, um, that direct everything into this detention basin. Um, much lower within that basin, we have an, an outlet structure that is a, a much smaller structure um, that is controlled and the size of that outlet is determined by those calculations um, to maintain that release rate. Um, so that the size of that outlet will vary based on the overall size of the pond, the overall size of the, the uh, development. Um, it, it's just sized to maintain that release rate that's allowable by our, our ordinance currently. Okay, I just have a, yes. a clarification. So if I'm going to the mall mm -hmm. and I see that big old retention pond, that retention pond's got the surrounding buffer of that vegetation, that's it, and then, but inside that pond, there's that. That's correct. Well, just to be clear, that's not necessarily well, a structure. That could be not, the open it, pond. That's pond. not necessarily. Right, right, the pond, but it's got correct. a thing come, that's all I need yep. to know. Correct. Got it's got it. a pipe going out of yeah, it somewhere. Right. Yes. Something's so. coming in, something's, it's so. got, that's a, fine. Yes, and, and all of those within the city are, are subject to our, our stormwater permit. Um, we go and inspect those on a rolling three-year basis to make sure that those are still in place, they're still doing what they're supposed to do, and they're still functioning as designed. And who, who designs those for the contract, for the builder? 
typically they'll, they'll hire a, a consulting engineering firm um, who will run all of those calculations and then put together the design package. They'll send it to us and, and we'll run a, a review and okay. potential approval on it. Right. Thank you for that. Now within our current ordinance, uh, we do have uh, some language for a variance process. Um, I don't believe this has um, been a, an issue that's come up at least since I've been here with the city in the last year and a half or so. Um, but this, the variance, a variance is allowed. It requires approval from city council. Um, a developer would have to come before you and submit a detailed rationale for why they're proposing to have these, um, this, this design change, uh, what special circumstances they have on that site that deprives them of the reasonable use of the land and, and why it's necessary for the preservation of their property right. Obviously, they'll have to also show that there's no detriment to public health, safety, or, safety or welfare or another property. And that would also require either a recommendation from a city engineer to, to approve the variance or a recommendation uh, failing my recommendation um, from the sewer board of appeals. And, and that would all come before you uh, and be discussed as to whether to grant that variance from our current ordinance. We have a sewer board of appeals? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Who is on that? Uh, I do it's not a, know the answer yeah, to I that. So I would have to look into yeah. it. It's a four or five member thing, but they. <clears throat> honestly, I don't think. I don't. Since they, I've been yeah. here, I don't think we've appointed anybody to the sewer board of the. Yeah. You, you do have it on your annual appointments that come through. You would see it on there, but they're a board that almost never meets. I don't recall in my they ten years with the city in, that we've come before yeah. you with a variance. So, or engineering has come before you. So, it's not. Oh. For this purpose, at least, it is very, very rarely used. Yeah. And, we, and we discourage it because they're actually asking for a reduction of standards. And unless they can provide these hardships, you wouldn't approve it. You shouldn't approve it. I want to know who's on that. <laughs> Correct. But, but it is in our ordinance Find currently. Okay. It, is, it is something that is there. Huh. Um, so all that being said, um, there's been a lot of discussion recently on do we need to update the ordinance? Is what we have currently in place working? Um, what options might we have? Um, so what, what we can do going forward is, um, we've got a few different options here. We can maintain requirements in place as they currently are, um, would not require any changes to anything. We'll just move forward with, with what's currently out there. Um, we can also, tighten up those requirements across the board for, for everything um, within our stormwater ordinance, um, just make it more restrictive. Or we can apply different requirements to different areas within the city. Um, we could look at what locations drain to specific uh, waterways and, and apply more strict requirements to areas that may be more subject to, to overland flooding. Um, either of those two options would require an ordinance change to section 29. That would be something that we as staff would develop and then bring forward to you as uh, you know, updated ordinance changes in our, our normal fashion. 
Some of those options that we do have, um, one would be to remove the option for street storage. Um, that would require any development or redevelopment to provide their own storage on site for that stormwater detention um, would kind of take away the, the option of using the street and, and therefore having all of the calls come in that say, we, we had a big rain event and my street is flooded. Mm -hmm. Yes, that happens. That's part of what the design is currently. <laughs> or you could even lower the limits of how much the street could be used. Yes, because absolutely. Because right now it's at 18, 18 inches. I was high. Um, but yes, okay. Yes, absolutely. That's an option as well. Um, we can increase the intensity of the rain event used in those calculations that, that our developers are required to, to submit. Currently, what we have as far as five inches of rain in 24 hours, um, the 50-year and 100-year storms and everything that we hear about, those are based on you know, a 100-year storm is really a 1% chance of happening in any given year. 50-year storm is a 2% chance of happening. As our climate changes and, and um, weather changes and, and basically everything's changing, um, those change as well. Those are based on the percentage and not a specific set amount of rain. So approximately what we have in place currently uh, works out to about a 50-year storm, about a 2% chance in any given year of, of receiving that amount of rainfall within that 24 hours. One option that you could have would be to increase that intensity using the calculations. We could look at, for example, a 100-year storm, a 1% chance, um, which is not twice as much rainfall as a 50-year storm, but half the chance of receiving that within uh, that 24 hours. Uh, that would increase um, the, the amount of rain, the amount of water that developers are using in those calculations. Another option would be to further restrict that allowable discharge rate. If we bring that discharge rate lower below the 0.2 cubic feet per second per acre, um, that would essentially mean that detention pond, the water can flow out of it or is allowed to flow out of it at a slower rate. Um, either of those two options, if we increase the intensity used in our calculations or decrease that allowable discharge rate, that would result in requiring more stormwater detention on each site, a larger volume of detention, um, potentially either a, a larger area or a deeper uh, stormwater detention pond to hold that increased amount of water. Uh, and again, another option is to implement more restrictive requirements such as those just in certain areas of the city if we don't want to have the one stormwater ordinance um, in place for the entire city. Uh, we can define that by location, by, by drainage basin. Uh, there are a number of diff different options there. But any of those would essentially require a larger volume of storage. Um, it would be more economic cost on the developer. Um, you know, that's something that they would have to account for. Um, 
One other option, we could, or you could keep what's in place currently for uh, redevelopment of existing sites. You can implement more restrictive requirements on just new development only. Uh, that's another option um, should you choose to go that route. But again, any more restrictive requirements beyond what we currently have in place would obviously increase the cost of development. Um, no matter what we do, we cannot ever completely eliminate the potential for flooding. Um, I think we all understand that, but the goal is to reduce that risk of flooding uh, the most we can in, in a reasonable way. Um, any of these options for tightening the requirements would require ordinance changes that, that we would develop and, and bring forward for you in, in the normal manner. Um, so the resolution you have before you tonight is just uh, a receive and file of, of kind of the stormwater ordinance review of what's currently in place and, and different potential options going forward. Um, but I would welcome any questions you might have or, or any uh, direction as far as a, a, a desired path forward if, if you have one at this time. Okay, so, so Matt, um, as you, you illustrated with the retention ponds, it seems to me that we should expect to have all those be dry most of the year, but the ones at the mall are, have water in them year-round. Does that mean they're not operating correctly? Because they can't hold as much if they've already half filled up with water or three-quarters of the way filled up with water. So is that a maintenance? What, what, what's the explanation for that? It's, there's not necessarily an issue there. We didn't really cover it here um, because most of what we have out there is detention ponds. Um, but there, there is another option or, or, or a slight difference between a, a detention pond and a retention pond. Um, the detention ponds are designed to basically stay dry the majority of the time when, when we don't have a large rain event. When we do, they fill up, they drain out slowly at, at that release rate and, and the water goes away. Um, a retention pond is a little bit different. Um, it, it's designed to stay wet to a certain level, essentially. And then you know, the, the area for the volume above that would be your detention area. It would essentially drain yeah. back down to, to that level and, and you'd have the wetland there in, in place. Those are what you see out at the mall area. Yeah, because basically so. that's more, a lot of the times it's for aesthetics. But Correct. basically what, what's happening on that is that pipe, that bottom pipe, is actually at a higher level. Correct. So retain that. Correct. Rate. So they still have the same amount of detention volume. It's, it's just above that wet elevation. Okay. Um, the other question, you said that our standard is a five-inch rain in a 24-hour period. But I think if we look back at when we've had that, the flooding or light flooding air times, it's probably not been five inches in 24 hours, might be seven inches over 72 hours. It's, there's a, there's a, I don't know where that, I know there's a chart that we've looked at before here, but do all those different standards apply? I mean, you, you gave the example of five inches, but does it also, is it the same number, same calculation if you say seven inches over uh, 72 hours? Do you know? I mean. Anyway, that my point would be is let's let's look at it from that perspective and not just a five. Uh, uh, you know, you could have actually more rain but spread out over and never trigger that or never be able 
never trigger that threshold, if you will. Right. I, I think kind of what you're getting at is, is a little bit what I tried to get into as far as the difference between that five inches of rain received versus the 50 year storm or the 100 year storm or, or something like yeah. that. That five inches is a set amount that that's what we look at on everything forever um, and until and unless we amend the, the ordinance. If we set something as potentially the, a 50 year storm or, or a 100 year storm, those numbers and, and what accounts for those storm levels are, are updated, not often, but, but periodically. And if we had something like that in place, um, as things evolve and as our climate changes, you know, a hundred-year storm gets more intense. We're still requiring developers to look at the hundred-year storm at that point. They're they're looking at at more water rather than just that same five inches. It may be seven inches. It may be twelve inches at, at some point. Because I think it, it, it's hard for me to visualize the amount of water coming in and the amount of water going out. I, I, I can't. I can't visualize that, how that would actually play out. And that comes back to maybe another thought, which is when I asked you about the, the streets or the parking lots, it seems like the water's coming off of that really fast. I, I would be hard pressed to, to believe that, that that discharge rate is being applied. Well, and they must count on that. I mean, we pick on the mall, but it applies on a lot of different areas, mm -hmm. right? Well, uh, the discharge rate only applies to the discharge from the detention basin. So if they're using those areas as their designated detention, it would apply there. Um, if the water's coming off of there at, at a much faster rate and, and moving overland or, or even um, into a storm pipe and, and then to a detention basin, that's not subject to that discharge rate un until it gets to the pond. So it, it is very likely moving much quicker than that at that point. Do you know whether any of the streets, well, let's use parking lots because that implies more private ownership, are being used as detention areas in the city? I would have to go back and, and do a little bit more research to find out which ones they are. I don't recall offhand, but I know there are a couple um, in the city currently that, that are designed that way and being used that way, yes. And would they have to basically have that? curb is not probably the right word, but basically set down or something where the water would collect in that area? Or is it just runoff and they just... At, at the end of the, the right-of-way, um, mm -hmm. that's the city's property, it, it would only be allowed to be up to 18 inches or up to that level. We can't, we can't just dump it onto adjoining private properties. Okay. So, so usually, though, that, that's controlled by restrictors in the pipe. So they can hit the storms, then they hit the pipes, and then the restrictors in the pipes actually slow it down to the right. discharge rate Correct. when you're using street storage. But if you have runoff, So that's why you yeah. see your streets start to fill up. Yeah. I think the streets filling up yeah, is, street, is, a, yeah, is a concern. It's probably more concern in your neighborhood than, than mine, but it's a concern. And it also spills over into our, you know, literally into our, our sanitary sewer discussion because as you've got pools of water sitting on top of the manhole covers or any other cracks that allows the infiltration. So we, I would, I would, my position would be, let's definitely look at changing that uh, and making Modify that. Modify and or it, yeah. Exactly, could, yeah. so that we, we reduce the impact of street flooding, if you will. Sure. Um, 
I mean, I think the feeling, it's a feeling, not right, that, that I have is that we've got too much runoff too fast. That's why we're having the flooding we do. The creeks and drains are just filling up when we have a rainfall. So we have to figure out how do we, how do we change that? What do we do differently? I think I, I, you know, I'm glad to see you here before us because I think we, we do need to look at some ordinance changes. And I would encourage you to go forward and doing that, but I'm not sure I can tell you specifically what to look at. Yeah. Uh, because some of these things, may, they may sound like they're a problem for me, but maybe they're not I, I, right. in reality. But something's, something's broken. I mean, does this require a study to say, oh, no. Well, it's going to require some work, if, well, if I may right. interject a, just a moment. So for tonight, obviously, we wanted to do a touch base, and, and Mr. Lemon indicated at the start, let's set the baseline so we all understand what we're talking about. Yeah. And that's largely what the presentation was geared towards this evening. Um, I, I suppose the best direction that we can get you tonight, because exactly what you just said, we, you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know what direction to provide, and that's okay. Um, but he's presented a number of options to you, and I suppose it would be, if you look at any of them, go, absolutely not, we don't want any part of that. That would be direction that would be worthwhile for us to receive. Conversely, if you said, hey, what about X, whatever that might be, such as reducing the volume in the street as opposed to just eliminating that you brought up, um, those would also be good feedback. Uh, points for us and then what we would do is the engineering department would then sort of take that back and if you, if you give us none that's okay too these are the options that we'll continue to evaluate and bring back and Mr. Lemon and if he needs consultant help we'll bring that in as well um, to bring back some recommendations that are a little more concrete than the concepts that we're presenting this evening so yeah. just yeah, to put it into context yeah. that's okay. really right. what we're looking for yeah. tonight because yeah. the one thing I I'm sorry no, go, go ahead, ahead. No, go ahead. Um, like you were showing the four different areas, industrial versus and everything like that. I could see different standards for something like that. It would make the ordinance a lot more complicated and stuff it like would. that, because then you'd have to figure square foot, and uh, yeah, all that stuff and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, out in Ward 1, I mean, their needs are a lot different than probably in Ward 5, which is a lot different for three. And right. Downtown is well, definitely, you know. You know I you know, we talk about flooding. No one talks about the flood in 90, 96. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That flooded all of, like, Midland High area, Jefferson. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm on Helen Street. We flooded, you know, so, but nobody talks about that. We always <laughs> I've do. I've never we, heard of that. Yep. I've oh, yeah. never heard about yes. it until Midland, right now. It was, yeah. it was 96. Well, it was, it was also the yeah. one that caused council at the time to take an initiative forward to the public that got turned out. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that was the 96 study. Yes. And Airport. so when you look at that, and so if you think about that, I mean, I was like looking at what's the option, what's some of the options. And so if you look at that part of town and you, and you say, okay, you know, that's an older part of town. We're, gonna, we're seeing some new construction going to be happening in that area. And I mean, for me, this is, you know, we have a lot of great things happening. And we need to like, you know, get some standards developed pretty quick, I think, on some things. And certainly in that area, in that East Lawn area, I think there needs to be some standards, um, you know, because that that whole street was flooded. Those they had sewer backup. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah, it was a mess. Yeah. Um, so to just say, and we talk about you know the new all this new construction is causing this problem. Well, certainly, I mean, for us to say we can't we shouldn't apply this to new construction would be ludicrous because I think definitely that is you know any any new sites being built any place definitely I would say anything. You know, reconstruction, I think we need to understand what, that's the time to, you know, to do some things too. I mean, if we just look at the community center, 
you know, yeah. that's that's a new build, and we should. No, we have no. St we we have the same old standards. So. So how long does this take? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on how many of these options we're looking at, and and, and whether we're looking at chopping up the city into different areas to apply different standards to and, and how we do that. And um, it, it can take a, a short amount of time or, or a much longer okay. amount of time. Can we look at some areas where we knew there, know there's going to be new construction and say we need to, like, I mean, I know that kind of sounds like, feels like spot zoning to me, though. A little bit. Yeah. Um, but well, why would we need to have different, I mean, have the stand, same standard across the city? Well, there is some rationale to it, and please jump in if I get out of my field here, but um, for instance, if you were to look down along the river, um, this is my simple example that I use, is that in some cases it might make a whole lot more sense, quality issues aside, if we address the water quality, but if we to get the water off of the sites into the river and out of the city early in a storm, that may well be a better option than putting a detention facility on those areas and then having the flood come a day or two later. Um, when those facilities are by that point still full because they haven't discharged. So that's a simple example. Oh. Um, if you look at areas of the city that really have no flood issues versus areas that do, having a different level of requirement in those areas, again, may make sense, and that'd be probably more water-based, uh, and Mr. Lemon indicated that. So those are just two examples. They may not ultimately prove to be the right solution, but that was one the engineering department identified, which has some merit, at least, on in, again, in principle. We talked about that earlier tonight, but in principle, is that worth looking at well and how does this fit in with you know the work being done by the core mm -hmm. and the fact that we're talking about I know that you know as it relates to being more res resilient you know there's work being done on looking at where outside the city and around the city and areas in the city we can be you know putting yeah. these detention ponds I mean, is that... Um, well, I, I think that you, it's a little bit different issue that you're talking there because mm -hmm. really what you're talking in that context is how do we take water that's in the river and, and coming at us and what do we do with it in terms of either piling it out of the river and dumping it onto a site that can hold it and slow it down mm -hmm. versus in this case we're talking more about development sites and what happens when somebody wishes to put more pavement or a building or whatever else on a property that creates quicker and faster runoff. So. Those two, I think, they're related in, in some ways, but they're really still distinct issues. Okay. They both have the same net effect yeah, at the end right. of the day, but they're different processes well, to get there. Then I think definitely any new construction, yeah. we need to look at any new construction mm -hmm. and any rebuild. Mm -hmm. if, it, if it's a rebuild, then we need sure. to take a look at that. Mm -hmm. as, as opposed to the same standards you have on current existing development. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if, it, mm -hmm. if we need to change the standard, then we need to... I mean, we need, that's when we need to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you take the 1990 flooding situation, yeah. you go, okay, well, what, what caused that? You know, what could have avoided it? I mean, one, one part of that time, I mean, for example, one, one thing about that part of town is you've got a lot of little pocket parks. Yes. And so you could, you, you could probably do something in terms of retention basins with those parks. Um, that might have avoided it because you have no other place to go with the water. Right, yeah, that was just such <clears throat> a, a long, ongoing like relentless rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ground was area. already saturated, and then we had a massive, right. you know, See, two or three in, day in my event. Area, yeah. it's, it's it's the runoff comes so quickly, right. it right. raises the yeah, creek and drain true. levels and spreads out. Right. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And that's why I like the idea about maybe different standards for different areas, mm -hmm. because 
But you know, I think you could put. I go back to, if you have a standard that you develop, for example, for my ward, it really wouldn't make a difference in yeah. in, in some other parts of the city where you don't have a creek or a drain. So right. it kind of. It's probably going to be a hodgepodge of both. I mean, we're going to have basic standards for all. Right so do it all. But <laughs> do it all. Right? Do it all. I mean, yeah. take care of Basically, it. Basically, yeah. <laughs> we'll do. Yeah. We're, we're looking for, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think it has to be comprehensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we're supportive. We just can't give you any direction. That's fine. So yeah, And that's well, okay. We're I, I guess what we're saying, though, but we're open Right. So a lot of these ideas that you've given us and everything like that, I don't see anything that we want to slam. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what we were looking for. Is there anything here that you absolutely do want to have done or anything yeah. that you absolutely want to take off the table to not be considered? Um, anything beyond that, we'll, we'll look at all the rest of it and, and develop what makes the most mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, great. And, and it, but again, that gets to, for the question for me is how long does this take? I mean, is this, five-year project is this a year project I mean is this no matter what we're looking at here um, we would look to go back and, and take a look at everything that needs to be looked at kind of weigh everything and, and come back to you and have all of this in place well within a year mm. I would be impressed I think there's probably going to be snapshots. I, mean, I think what he's yeah, going to I mean, if he, they're probably going to do is, okay, let's look at the main stuff, like the street yeah. and everything like that. Those, you know, what quick fixes can we do? And then I think it, it'll get more into the detail. Okay, if we're going to do separation, what's this going to look like? Or, or could construction sites be could new construction sites? Here's the standard for yeah. new construction sites. All new construction sites have to do this. I don't know if that could be a... A first, I mean, that would prevent any f future problems because once something's built, we're not yeah. going to change it for quite yeah. a while. I think we're not giving you any limitations, but if don't, I guess I would suggest come back to us in three months or six months or whatever. Don't spin your wheels thinking that you have to fit a you know square peg in a round hole. Yeah. Right. If yeah. there's something that's just looked like, well, I'm trying to do this and it's it's becoming. Because again, doing something is better than doing nothing, and so I think to the extent we can take the low-hanging fruit to use an overused expression let's let's take those steps okay okay go for it sounds good <laughs> i will do we have to vote on this good. Do you do well, have we a motion, motion to receive yeah. and file yeah so. that's just receive and file all right well thank you very much for that so do we have any comments from the public on this sure okay. oh you go for all right it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll make it quick. I'm Carl Camina, 5616 Pine Meadow Drive in the Moreland District. And from what I heard today, there are a lot of different things that can be done within the existing framework of the storm ordinance. And uh, we talked about should there be different things for different places? Well, yeah, different strokes for different folks. And let's start with the Moreland District. We know there's too much water going into the Inman drain right now. Well, let's figure out why is there too much coming in and how are we going to get it out? And I, 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 as I'm sitting there listening to this about, um, about these detention and retention ponds and everything else, I'm thinking by default, the Inman drain is a retention or detention pond. By default, I don't think it's designed that way. 
But what happens is all the water coming from wherever goes into the Inman drain, it fills up until it can't go anywhere else other than into our basements. So my, 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 <laughs> I'm glad that you're looking at this and please sooner rather than later, take a look at the Inman drain in the Moreland district. Thank you. Thank you. John Nelson, 6106 Turner Creek Parkway. I've got, I'm on a roll tonight, so let's, uh, let's start with this one. Yeah, this uh, ordinance thing is what I brought up earlier today. I think it's very important. But I, a couple of things that haven't been brought out, well, you did kind of bring it up. There is a percolation rate of water into the ground. If you're in a clay area, the percolation rate's lower. If you're in a sandy area, it's faster. But then you have to think about where the water table is. And that's where I think. When I look at the mall, that's where I think the water table is, where that water level is in those ponds. I don't think it's anything else but that. I think that's the, wa that's the water table. Um, as far as one of the things that hadn't brought, been brought up is um, when, you, when you take the Sturgeon Road and you put three feet of sand to build, to build up the level, okay, now you've got the only thing you're worried about is taking what was on the parking lot and putting it in a detention pond. But you've, filled, you've lost that 19 acres of land that was used earlier in normal days. That would hold that water, okay? That was the drainage field. Now you're limited down to one acre and only from that parking lot. So you've changed the entire picture of this thing. So as far as ordinances go, how much fill are we talking about in each one of these new develops? Are you talking about to bring the level up to some other level? You can't just, you know, the whole mall area, that was a swamp, that was all filled in. That used to be a swamp. Now it's not a swamp because you filled it in, but now you're only worried about the surface water on the parking lot. So I don't mind that we do this, but you're having to talk not just when you talk about the area that you're looking at, you're, you're ta you need to figure out not just that surface area, but the area you've lost in just the construction alone. Yeah, so there's more to this story than just that. And yeah, I think uh, every area of town could be different. Where I live, it's sand. At least it's sand down to three or four or five feet. I don't know, I haven't gone any deeper than that. But, uh, but on the other side of town, it's, it's clay. You know, probably where you live, I think it's clay. So you know, obviously can't hold much water in clay for, it won't s soak into the permeability rate is not very good, but when we're at my area, it goes in pretty fast, but somebody, some other area, it's clay, and you're not gonna have that same thing. So yeah, it's gotta be a piecemeal approach. I think if he says he can do it in a year, <laughs> I think there's a lot more stuff involved than just a year's worth of work if you're talking about sectioning off different parts of town and different ways of development because like I say, I what I think happens is Sturgeon Creek, Inman Drain, they're getting flooded at a much faster rate only because of the overrun from all these different development areas. And in a way that's not really an ordinance, but in a way, in a way it should be. Somehow it should be an ordinance. They can't have all this water just flooding into the creeks. And, and another thing we're not doing a very good job at is all of our waterways in town, we don't clean them out, we don't do anything. Obviously, that everybody's talked about, the faster you get it out of there, the better it is, but what have we done to make it faster? 
I don't know. Clean out the drains? I, I don't know what you've done. You haven't cleaned out any waterways in, in the whole city for many, many, many years. My neighbor said, I think they used to do Sturgeon Creek 20 years ago. They used to clean it out. But that was, that's what they say. I don't know, I wasn't living there then, so. All right, thanks. Bye. Okay, thank you. Any other public comment? Okay, seeing none, will you please read the resolution? This resolution receives the overview and presentation regarding the current City of Midland Stormwater Ordinance. Do we have a motion to accept the resolution? So moved. Second. Okay, first and second. So discussion on this. Pretty much had it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think we, someone did just say, can we start with uh, the Moreland District, the Inman Drain? Yeah. I mean, you got to start someplace. That sounds like a great idea. Got to start someplace. So, so I'll only caught you. I, I understand certainly Mr. Elson's comments on that, but or Mr. Camino, sorry, uh, comments on that, but that may not be a logical district to start in. So we can certainly look at that, but again, the geography, the whatever the other factors, factors are that are. might dict dictate where an area can be looked at would be factored. That so if you limit us to that, you might actually okay. artificially so limit us, but, but, we, but we'll keep it in mind and okay. certainly look through yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. We would appreciate it if you would, you know, pay attention to that. Pay area. attention to that. Got it. Okay. Okay. Ready, Ready to vote? vote? Yep, yep. All right. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Okay. That passes. Four zero, and that takes us down to new business. Any new business? So a, a couple of things. I'll try not to keep this too long here. So first and foremost, you, the, a few of you at least went to the uh, MEDC presentation on their action plan for these CDBG DDR, well, a lot of letters, the disa declared disaster yeah. um, funding. And so there is a, a funding pot, if you will, that is out there that they are looking for projects on. So I just wanted to inform you that subsequent to that meeting, we have met a couple of times, uh, Mr. Kane in particular and, and his team are collecting sort of a listing of projects that are eligible projects, at least under those different pools of money. And so we're compiling those. Uh, we'll continue to work with MEDC. Uh, today we had a call to sort of work with uh, the county, with the village of Sanford, the United Way, um, and sort of as a region, or at least as a county, collectively get together and start to try to prioritize really where the needs of the community are, as opposed to all of us just throwing projects at this and saying, hey, give us all money individually. So um, that project, just for, for your information, is ongoing, and uh, we'll continue to keep you updated as we move that forward. Okay. So. That's good. Well, we thought it was better than, like I said, all of us going in, throwing our hats in the ring and competing essentially with each other when right. it, it makes more sense as a community to get together and say truly where are the needs. Um, may not mean, or might mean, for instance, we get less than we might have otherwise got, but if it's the right thing to do, I still think it's the right thing for our community. Yeah. So. I think that's the right way to do it. I think, yeah. I, think, I think that's one of the things that makes us successful is that we really think a little bit holistically about we try. that. We try. So <laughs> thanks for that. Okay. Any other new business? So, so the only other thing I'll put out there, just uh, if you haven't watched it yet, I was actually going to play it, but I don't think you want to hang around for five more minutes while we do this, is that um, the Community Affairs Department put out a, a video today with the results of our Name the Snowplows. Um, so we have six new, newly named snowplows out there to have a little bit of fun. Uh, people can then sort of see them as they're coming through their communities. Uh, but you can go to the city's website and watch a, about a five-minute video on that where they reveal all their names. So um, simple to find. It should be simple to find anyway out there. Katie, I'm sure we'll put it out on social media as well. Okay. 
the darker one. Cleopatra. <laughs> she did not. Cleopatra. Oh, Cleo Cleopatra. I got to tell you, I thought those were some of the funniest things. Oh, what, I thought it was great. I thought that's what you wanted to Creative. Very creative people. Did Maureen get a snowplow? No, Maureen did no. not get a snowplow. <laughs> but Grace A. Plow did. So. Yeah, oh, okay. Good. So good. That, that Cleopatra. Well, I thought that was, was good. Yeah, Grace A. The Plow. Big I thought funny. Was another yeah, I yep. like that one. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Yep. People were, I thought, great sense of humor, wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think it'll be it'll be fun for people to watch for that too. I oh so. yeah, I think yeah. we had like 300. If I'm not not off base, I think we had 300 submissions on it. Wow. So. Well, it was a good, Great. good, yeah. nice. fun good community yep. event. So, all right, anything else? No, ma'am. Okay, well then, I think on behalf of all of us, we wish everyone here and the rest of the public a very wonderful Thanksgiving. We do have a lot to be grateful for, for sure. So, um, I hope you have a great one. And with that, we're adjourned. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.